Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, episode 9, the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice Moten, and if I'm a little excited today, it's because it's the start of the NBA playoffs. Finally, after 82 intense, long games, we have reached the time where the the best of the best stand out from the rest. So, Mo, let everybody know what we've got in store for them today. Well, you just kind of spoiled it for them, but yes, we have NBA playoff breakdown. We're going to break down every series and tell you who we think is going to advance to the second round, even though we all know we're waiting for the Cavs and the Warriors or the Spurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to talk about the Warriors and their record-setting season and compare them to the 95-96 Bulls. Yes, we're going to do that. We're going to pick a winner of that series if they were to play today, me and Mike. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some NFL news, as people may know by now. The Rams just traded the farm to get the number one pick. We'll break down the aftermath on that. But uh, I'll send it back to Mike, and and let's talk about NBA playoffs. Who, who you got uh, advancing? All right, so as people have seen today, the playoffs have already started. Uh, the one series that had a lot of, uh, I guess, curiosity going into it had to be the Indiana Pacers and... Toronto's only team, or Canada's only team, I should say, the Toronto Raptors. And if you watch the game, you saw Paul George put on a showing for the ages. Now, this looked like the Paul George that we've seen, you know, before the broken leg. I mean, he was just flat-out impressive. 33 points. He was scoring from all over the court. And honestly, if he continues to do that, uh, it's going to be a tough series for uh, for Toronto because, what, they got the Rosen guarding him? Uh, I don't really love DeRozan's defensive game. I don't really love much of his game, and and I know that he's got that opt-out coming out, and he is only 26, and he's going to get paid a whole lot probably by his hometown L.A. Lakers, but I don't see I don't see that being a great move for the Lakers. But regardless, uh, this is going to be – I think this is going to go 7, Mo, and I do see Indiana uh, coming out of top, and again, seeing Toronto going home, continuing, you know, that they just can't seem to get over the hump. Well, Mike, you just stole my thunder again. Yes. I totally agree with you. Uh, the Pacers are going to win this series in seven games in Toronto. That's, that's going to be the sad part. They're going to beat Toronto in Toronto in game seven and upset them. The two, the seven over the two. And I just don't have faith in the Raptors. They've only advanced past the first round once in in their history, in their franchise history. And I believe that's with uh, Chris Bosh was back with the team. But this team has been in the playoffs, and they just cannot seem to get past the first round. I don't know what it is. They they were missing toughness. They added Damari Carroll, who was previously with the Atlanta Hawks. But he's not the same Damari Carroll of years past. He's on a minutes cap. I believe he's averaging 17.5 minutes a game. And and they don't they just don't have the same player that, that he was a year ago. And they need his it's sad because they need his toughness. They need his toughness inside because the Pacers have a young guy, Miles Turner, who's who's very good on the defensive end, who can bang on the glass and can shoot pretty well, can shoot a 15-foot jumper pretty well. So the Pacers have the advantage in the front court, in my opinion, even though Valsh Val- is doing well with double-doubles, but he, he just doesn't have that toughness factor. 
So I think the Pacers win in an upset over the Raptors in seven, as you said. Yeah, and I don't I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to continue to shoot three for 13 from the field or DeRozan's five for 19. But again, they're, they're being guarded, you know, by the likes of Paul George. Uh, and, and we're talking, you're also looking at, uh, you know, a guy like George Hill. So, I mean, these are good, really good defensive players that can lock these guys down. And, and unfortunately, they don't really have... There's no third option, really. I mean, I know you like Valanchunas, but I'm, I'm just not. I'm not sold. I mean, I know he had 12 points today. His biggest thing is his defense and, and it, the fact that he can really grab boards from all around the court. But just I don't know. That's it's a long Indiana team, and uh, I just think that they're primed, you know, possibly to make a run. And like you said, Toronto can't seem to win on its own home court, so yeah, it doesn't really speak volumes for when they have to go to Indiana. One thing, Mike, don't forget about Monte Ellis. Okay, so. Who? The Pacers have some, they have they have defender, they have shooter, they have a good coach, Frank sure. Vogel, who's probably gonna outcoach or have this coach Dwayne Casey. And unfortunately, Drake won't be able to help his hometown team and he'll probably wear a Pacers jersey if the Pacers make it that far oh, in Eastern Conference. That's cold blooded. <laughs> but uh moving on to another team we we briefly touched on, the Hawks. Damari Carroll's former team, they'll play the Celtics in the seven-game series. The Hawks have home court advantage, but I have another upset. I have the Celtics upsetting the Hawks. Uh, theoretically, it is an upset because it's a 5 over 4 But to me, these teams are pretty much evenly matched. As I said, the Hawks lost a tough uh, defender in Damari Carroll. They do have Teague still. They still have Al Horton, uh, yeah, Al Horton and uh, Paul Millsap. But uh, to me, it's, it just feels like Al Horford could be on the way out in offseason. He'll be a free agent. There are rumors that he could go to the Lakers or a bunch of other teams. And then Teague still has one more year in his contract, but he was the subject of trade rumors this year. He could be moved before they can loop, before they lose him for nothing. So to me, it feels like two guys, two, two of the three main parts of this team could be on the way out. So, I mean, when you think, when you think about it, when you're on your way out, are you really playing that hard? Do the Hawks really have a legitimate chance of winning the NBA Finals? I don't know. Budenholzer has a good lineup, but I don't think they'll be good enough to beat a gritty Celtics team. It's going to be tough. I mean, this Hawks team, they've got, you know, with Hawford down low and they've got Millsap, they just got, they've got big bodies that Boston really doesn't, isn't able to contend with. I mean, who are you going to put down there? Zeller, Sullinger, I mean, he's undersized to begin with. Yes, they've got... Scott Isaiah, he can spread the ball. They've got your your favorite player, Evan Turner, but I just yes. don't. I don't think there's enough there to to go the length, you know, to go the full seven games uh, with a, with a really strong Atlanta team. And again, people people have kind of pushed what Atlanta did to the side last year, but this is still really the same club that they had last year. Uh, I just think that I think they're too good. I think Boston's come too far too fast. So I really I really could see Atlanta taking this this series three to one. And uh, and and it's not really it's not a reflection on Boston. They've come a long way, and they've got a really great coach in Brad Stevens. But again, there's just they're they're missing a couple pieces there. And Atlanta's got all those veterans, and I really think I think that they'll be moving on as well. And but I think it'll be an entertaining series. I think this will be probably one of the uh, one of the best up and down types of series uh, we're gonna see the entire playoffs. So I really really do. Yeah, I agree. This is probably gonna be the best series of. All the first round matchups because you have two teams that are I, I I think are pretty much evenly matched. I believe if Boston could slow the game down and play their type of basketball, which is a slow kind of methodical pace, I think they get the win over the over the Hawks and advance over to the next round. I actually have the Celtics, you know, kind of being a surprise team there, but we'll see what happens. Moving on to a series that I don't think would be that competitive, even though people may think so. I have the Heat over the Hornets. I don't. 
I think the Hornets will probably get a game off the Heat, but the Heat will pretty much dispose of them really quick to move on to play the Pacers in the second round. I think Jordan made a mistake in, in drafting uh, Kaminsky with the eighth pick. He should have went with Bobby Portis or Miles Turner to toughen up his interior. You know you have Al Jefferson, who's getting a little older. I, of course, you didn't uh, you didn't forecast his uh, issues with uh, substance abuse, but... Again, he's 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 getting up there in age, and you want another guy that can spread the floor. Kaminsky can can actually shoot, but he just he just you could see that he wasn't ready. And I and again, I caution you with these four year college players when they come to the NBA, they're dominant in the college level because they have four years of experience over kids coming out of high school. But once they get to the NBA, it's kind of like a setback. I'm not saying Kaminsky is a bust or he's not going to be much, but. In his first year, he just wasn't the right pick for me for the Hornets. And yes, the Hornets made a good run to the playoffs for the sixth spot, but they they bowed to the Heat in the first round. Yeah, Kaminsky should have been like a, a second round pick. Uh, I mean, we know we know what he did in college, but come on, it doesn't just doesn't translate at the next level. And they drafted Zeller a year before it. He's almost the same exact player. So I don't know. Michael Jordan's got a, a an affinity for these uh, these tall white guys who can shoot from the outside, but. It hasn't translated. I mean, going back to Morrison from Gonzaga, it just seems like he's stuck in a rut with with continually drafting these same guys. And, you know, maybe maybe eventually he'll hit the lotto. But I don't know. I hope, I hope that the Hornets can put it together because I have such a disdain for uh, the Miami Heat. But um, I think it's, I think it's going to be a good series. I also see this one going seven. But I, And I do see the Hornets coming to top. I do see them winning the series four to three, especially if they can continue to hit their outside shots. Kemba Walker is going to be huge. I think this is the moment that, you know, if you didn't know him from his days at Connecticut and you haven't realized that he's in the NBA playing pretty well, I think you're going to realize now. I just think the Heat are, without Chris Bosh, they're just, they're old. And I think Dragic is, is a fine point guard, but I, I don't think he'll be there next year. I think they're going to move him to maybe bring some more salary cap so that they can uh, they can re-sign Whiteside. Because if they do lose him, and let's say you lose Bosch and you have to get rid of Dragic, or even if you have to keep Dragic for that matter, it's, that's that's an ugly team. Because what do you what do you really have besides Dwayne Wade, who's going to be, what, 34, 35 years old? So uh, I think I think this is the, the Hornets' time. I don't think they've had this type of team since the days of Alonzo uh, Mourning and Larry Johnson. So I'm going to ride the Jeremy Lin bandwagon. And, uh, yeah, go Hornets, man. That's a lot of that's that's Nick hate and Nick enthusiasm <laughs> talking right there. Absolutely, basically combined in one. I mean, I understand you hate the Heat and you're probably still wishing Lynn was back in Square Garden, but wow, going out on a limb picking the Hornets there, I, I don't see it. We disagree, but we'll we'll see how that one shakes out. It should be an interesting series because a lot of conflicting opinions on that. But the series that we've all been waiting to talk about, Cavs and Pistons. I have the Cavs winning in five. Interesting note for this series, the Pistons won the season series 3-1. to one. So I think people may think, oh, the Pistons could pull off an upset. And the Pistons do have a really good team. I like Reggie Jackson at the point. I like Marcus Morris playing. I, I like their the, uh, Andre Drummond in the middle. But the Cavs are on a mission. I don't think they bow out the first round. LeBron has never lost a first-round series. I believe he's never even gone to a game seven in the first round. So the Cavs will, will turn it around. Flip that, and the Pistons will be the team getting one win, and the Cavs get four. They went on their home court in advance of the second round. Yeah, unfortunately, I have the same. I have five games. I think that's it. I think I think Detroit maybe pulls one at home. Uh, but yeah, let come on. Let's let's be honest. Detroit's come a long way as well. This is like kind of a, that's kind of the thing. When I saw these, I saw these matchups. I was like, oh, these are pretty cool. These are intriguing matchups. A lot of young teams versus veteran teams. A lot of possibilities. But at the end of the day, this is the playoffs. If uh, LeBron and company don't step up now, you know, when will they? So. 
like you said, Drummond will be good. Drummond will be big. Tobias Harris will be there. You know, they've got a lot of nice pieces. They've got a good coach in Van Gundy, but it's just, come on. It's with Kyrie, if he plays on his game and Kevin Love does anything like he's possible, and we already saw, saw that Tristan Thompson is going to be starting at the center uh, for the playoffs. It should be it should be all Cavs all the time. Maybe they maybe they pulled up the reins and dropped one, uh, you know, on the road. But yeah, the Eastern Conference playoffs I think are going to be really really good. They're going to be entertaining. Uh, I think we will see a couple upsets. Maybe Mo doesn't agree, but that's fine. But let's move on to the West, where there's actually two teams that most people feel will be going playing one another for the right to play the Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals. Mo, what's the what's the one series that kind of intrigues you though? The one series that that intrigues me the most is probably Thunder and Mavericks, only because the Mavericks are a well-coached team. Rick Carlisle, as you know, is a is a champion, is an NBA Finals champion, also. So, yeah, and think about it. Think back to LeBron and the Mavericks in their Finals appearance in 2011. The Mavericks would be well coached, but um, that that series intrigues me. But I don't think it'll be that competitive. I still have the Thunder winning in five. Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant are going to get it done uh, with with their new coach Billy Donovan, and it's going to take over, and they'll probably drop one in in Dallas. But that's about it. I know if I'm um, Mark Cuban, I'm wishing I had DeAndre Jordan that worked out because then it would be a, a little more of a competitive series. But without him, they have Dirk Nowitzki on his last legs. Matthews had a value ever coming back after a serious injury, but it's just not enough to beat the Thunder. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really hard. If you listen to uh, Dirk Nowitzki the other day on the radio, he basically you know seemed kind of uh, desperate <laughs> to a certain extent. <laughs> he was just like, well, you know, it's going to be tough. If we let them get transition buckets and we let them run, you know, we'll be going home. So, I mean, it's kind of cool. You never really hear an NBA superstar like that basically concede before the uh, – before the games even started, maybe this is a, a, a stall tactic. Maybe this is just a way to motivate his teammates. I don't know. I can see the series going six. Um, I don't. I don't really know why, but I just. It's just something about the Thunder, man. They've been. They've been the same group core group of guys for so long that are so good, but again, still can't really seem to put it together to get. To where they need to go and I, I just I always worry with you know with the Durant and Westbrook kind of combination if one guy goes off and the other guy just feels like well I need to do and I need to step up and I also need to score more points than you know that man it's just a, it's just a really weird dynamic it, it really is and uh, for that I can see I can see them both getting kind of complacent to a certain extent and Dallas stealing a game or two especially when you know when you've got the likes of I don't want to say Vince Carter, but when you've got the likes of, of Dirk Nowitzki, and, you know, they do have some nice, you know, secondary pieces as well. I do see, obviously, see the Thunder moving on, but again, it's going to be a fun series, uh, a lot of higher energy, and again, if if, uh, if the Thunder don't do it this year, or at least get to the Western Conference Finals, which is not going to be a small task by any measure, uh, you, you, Durant's gone, and we may see Westbrook uh, not too far behind either. Yeah, uh, the Thunder remind me of the Cavs without the third piece. They they're just they're just a, a conglomerate of good talent, but they just don't mesh well together. And yeah, again, the Thunder will dispose of the Mavs because they have a more talented roster. But I don't see them going that far as people think. But uh, moving on to a team that probably will go far in this in this whole tournament, the Spurs and the Spurs and the Grizzlies have a, have a seven game series. Spurs the two, Grizzlies the seven. Uh, it's it's very worrisome when Lance Stevenson is your most dynamic player on the court. The Grizzlies are going to be without Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, both out with injuries. And the Spurs will probably sweep this series. 
I don't see it as competitive as at all. The Grizzlies didn't really put up a fight against the Warriors when the Warriors were going for the 73rd win. There's a reason for that. They just don't have enough firepower. They don't have enough scoring. They still don't. That's been a problem for a while. This is more of a grinder type team like the Celtics, but they're just an older team than the Celtics. So it's a lot worse. It doesn't really work for them at this point. Uh, I think they, they're aware of that. And the Spurs, again, they'll, they'll, they'll sweep this series in advance to the second round. This is the best matchup that San Antonio could have asked for out of all the teams in, in the Western <laughs> Conference because they are going, like you said, they're going to sweep Memphis with ease and they're going to do it in a way that they can actually rest all of their guys. Like, you know, we can, right. you start the game with, with, with the veterans and we're talking about the third quarter, midway to third, they're all going to be out because you're going to have such a lead that you're not going to have to worry. And that is so important going forward because it's only going to get tougher. I mean, and that's just, I mean, we saw last year that, that Dallas pushed San Antonio to a game seven. And that really, you know, that took the, took the wind out of their sails, especially when they, you know, they got to the, the, the conference finals against the Golden State Warriors. So this is, this is huge. It'll be, it's going to be so telling for the second, second round when I think, you know, honestly that they're, I'd be surprised if they're not going to play the LA Clippers, but we'll see. But I just, it's really going to be, it's a really important thing for Popovich and company. And, and again, who, who doesn't think that, you know, they're going to beat Memphis when, you know, Memphis could have you and me playing in Matt Barnes. So. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, pretty much that team is pretty much decimated with injuries. They didn't have a lot of scoring to begin with, and now they have even less with their, with two of their best players. Yeah, Zach Randolph is still there, but he's 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 a 15-foot jumper guy. He's not going to shoot the threes. He's not going to spread the floor. He'll provide the little offense that they can get. But uh, moving on to a team that will provide a lot of offense, the Warriors and the Rockets, who are actually playing right now, Stephen Curry and... Patrick Beverly actually got into a little skirmish, and they were both teed up, which is, which is I think, it, a, a, an aspect that other teams need to follow. Teams need to kind of get into the Warriors' head to disrupt their rhythm, kind of push stuff around. I'm not saying kill the kid, but kind of, you know, give him a nudge. You know, bloody his nose a little bit. You know, let him know that you're not just going to let him do his and-one antics on the court and in the paint for a score and, and make you look stupid on the court. But uh, the Rockets aren't going to stand a chance in this series outside of Patrick Beverly's antics. They're going to get swept by the Warriors. The Warriors are going to have a nice long break, as the Spurs will after after dueling sweeps the Rockets just have a dysfunctional roster they you know they they had some turnover during the season fired the coach Staff has done a, his job to keep the you know keep the line together but it's just not enough to be the, the best regular season team in history yeah these Rockets are horrendous I mean I'm looking at the roster right now and it's just I can't even I can't even understand that you brought back the likes of Michael Beasley and Josh Smith and these that's your bench. I mean Corey Brewer. I mean these are the guys that were you know either out of the NBA or should have been out of the NBA and these guys are playing crucial minutes in the playoffs and that just uh, Jason Terry he's six hundred years old and he's starting most games for you. I just I don't get it. I mean James Harden is a black hole of shots. It's just Dwight Howard, uh, if he has anything left in the tank, he needs to get out of Houston, take that opt-out. And, and I just read a report that says that the, the GM and the owner of, of Houston are going to give Harden basically carte blanche to tell him who he wants to keep, who he doesn't want, who he wants to target in free agency. Are you serious? You're going to treat... You're going to treat a guy who basically is all about himself. You're going to let him be the captain of this team and tell you who you should pick up in free agency. What? So obviously Dwight Howard's gone because they don't get along. So who who is he even going to want? He's just going to basically say, I can run. I can run by myself. Just put one on five because I don't want to pass the ball anyway. I mean, it's, it's just, it's asinine. It's crazy. Uh, this guy is not 
a Steph Curry type. He is not a LeBron James. He's just not He's not in that upper echelon that even deserves the right to, to pick and choose his teammates. He's just not that good because it seems like everybody that he's with doesn't mesh. It doesn't gel. So... I, I don't know. Maybe that, I mean, obviously this is this is Houston's way of appeasing him. I don't see it going well. I see them getting sweeped, getting swept hard. And uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, lot of turnover. And you may see James Harden with, you know, four random dudes next year that used to play in the CBA. I don't know. But you know what? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be ugly. So uh, second round should be fun, though. So, so there you go. Rockets are a dumpster fire. Uh, we have Texas going one and two in the first round with the Spurs winning and the Mavericks and the Rockets disappointing. I mean, on to another a sort of intriguing series only because the Clippers, we, we don't know how far the Clippers are going to go. I mean, until recently, the Clippers have made some strides to get, you know, to get into the second round and get out of the first round. Chris Paul, that's been his like Achilles heel that he cannot, you know, go to go far in the playoffs as far as Western Conference or the finals, they'll play the Blazers. I had the Clippers winning in five games. I'm tempted to say six only because I like the Blazers' backcourt with McCollum and Damian Lillard, of course. I'm a huge Damian Lillard fan, but I don't think there's enough in the front court to handle DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, as you know, was out for a while. He had, he had a myriad of injuries. Then he had a four-game suspension to serve. The Clippers were good without him. But now they'll be pretty good with it, with him in the lineup. And I think the Blazers' front court, with I believe it's Ed Davis, uh, yeah. one of the Plumlee kids, Mason Plumlee, who's not as good as he was with the Nets, and uh, Al Farouk Aminu, who's basically a backup. And I believe he spoke about this in like one of the first podcasts that we can't believe he's actually starting. But the Clippers will take over that series. They'll probably drop one in Portland. Those good people in Portland are great, great fans to their team, but it's not going to be enough. Five games for the Clippers. Ed Davis, North Carolina, shout out. Just want to throw that in there real quick for everybody. Um, <laughs> this is, yeah, I'm gonna give. A, I'm gonna say four one Clips. You know, the Clips are my West Coast team. I got to see a lot of Clippers back in back in Los Angeles, and people forget they had a really good year. Everything was overshadowed by the the Blake Griffin mess. You know, beating up his friend, and you know the the problems that you know Doc really had constructing a, a bench but this is still a really really good team and you already said that deandre was with uh, the mavs like maybe he should have been that they might be moving on to the second round they, they just got they've got too much length this is a huge team now that blake griffin's uh back i mean like you said who's who's gonna guard these two guys down low uh, it's just not gonna happen they're gonna they're gonna power through uh chris paul's gonna do his thing jj reddick having a career year from from uh the three-point line they're just they're deep I like them. I, I do think, you know, I, I think Lillard will will them to a game, but I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to that next round. I've already got Warriors clip it, Clippers on the docket. I think it goes seven I, because this is the one team and I know we're, I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit, but this is the one team that just gets in the head of the Warriors. I mean, they hate one another. They, I mean, Redick, JJ Redick was on the radio yesterday and he was just saying that these two teams literally despise one another because they do respect each other, but there's just something about the DeAndre and going up against you know the likes of, of clay thompson and, and 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 all these all these things that they've played each other you know obviously they play each other quite a bit during the regular season being in the same conference so these teams know each other really really well and i just i think it's going to be a great series and and who knows you know maybe the clippers can and can steal the series i know it's a long ways away but hey i, I think it'll be must-see uh, basketball so i really hope we get to that point yeah, I hope we get to see Warriors Clippers too because that rivalry is, is what we need in the NBA. We need to see more rivalries. I think that's pretty much died with the buddy buddy kind of era. Yeah, I, I know people talk about Kobe Bryant, the end of of an era where 
players were just kind of unfriendly as as rivals and foes, and now everyone's you know working out at the gym together, partying together, dating the same women together, you know, Instagram videos together. No no shot at LeBron there, no shade there, but everyone's buddy buddy, which is cool. But then you lose that intensity of a, of a real NBA rivalry, and maybe we'll get to see that with the Warriors and Clippers in the second round. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Blazers could could sneak up on a few people. And like I said, the Clippers were good without Blake Griffin. Now he he doesn't have to really integrate himself back into the lineup, but he has to get back into the flow of the game. And that could mess with the Clippers and their chemistry, whatever they had going for the last couple of months without him. Absolutely, I know. I totally agree. I think it. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of banging in this series. You know, I think the Portland's going to have to try to to throw the the little bit of weight they have around just to you know just to show that they're not scared. But I, at the end of the day, I would be I would be shocked and appalled if, if the Clippers dropped this because again their window their window as a team even though they're young they've been they've been good and they've been together for a while their window is going to start to close in about a year or a year and a half so they need to they need to put a long playoff run together and I know it's hard when you're the four seed and if you win more than likely you're going to be playing the number one which is Golden State but they just they have to they have to make a series out of out of it and they have to they have to get through Portland quickly it's just like we were talking about when it comes to you know to the Spurs that they they want to put their opponent away quickly to get ready for that next round that's what you have to do you can't you can't draw out the first series you can't push your guys to the limit of exhaustion and then you got to play the best team on the planet it's just it's not a good recipe and uh you know but Doc's a smart coach, maybe not a great GM, but he's a smart coach. He knows how to handle his players. And he's, again, Chris Paul's leading these guys. They're, they know what to do. They're, they're ultimate professionals. But, you know, make it quick, make it snappy, and, you know, don't prolong the misery for anybody else that, you know, is not a Portland fan. Yeah, well, I, I agree with I can agree with that assessment. But there you have it. Those are our first round picks to advance to the second round. We'll see how right we are, how wrong we are. Mike will probably be wrong about a couple of those East Coast series, but we won't touch on that. What? But, um, yes, we will continue watching. Of course, as I said earlier, Warriors and Rockets are on right now. There are two more games on later. And we'll keep intact with, with how the NBA playoffs shakes out. But we'll move on to open mic with Warriors Bulls talk. And Mike will take a side and I'll take a side on who we got up next. Open mic. March 13th is going to be a day that most NBA fans will remember forever, really. I mean, not only was it the day that the Mamba officially dropped the mic, it was the day that the Golden State Warriors finally won their 73rd game of the season and broke Michael Jordan and company's record that had stood since 1996. And it was a monumental occasion. It was a it was a record that many thought would never be broken. Well, History has finally come to a halt, and Steph Curry and, and had just willed and led his team to this to this amazing, amazing 73-win season. Now, Mo, on paper, because that's the only way we can play these games, or actually you could play them on NBA 2K if you feel like, if you, <laughs> if you put the 96 Bulls with Michael Jordan and Tony Kukoc and, and Scottie Pippen and Steve Kerr against these 2016 Golden State Warriors... Who do you have? Well, I'm going to break it down this way, right? If this is a decade ago with with the hand check and you can kind of mug players and, and referees weren't so soft on calls, the Bulls are probably winning six games because they'd be able to disrupt the Warriors' rhythm. As I spoke about earlier with 
Beverly getting into Steph Curry's head. If we're playing the series today in, in 2016, I still believe the Bulls win, but they win in seven games. And this is, I'm going to give you guys the blueprint on how the Bulls will beat the Warriors. Because everyone's saying, oh, the Bulls will beat the Warriors only because they've, you know, they're older people like you and I who've watched the Bulls and say, oh, he, who are these new kids shooting threes all over the place? They're not going to beat the Bulls. And they just say it off of emotion. I'm going to give you a blueprint of how the Bulls will beat the Warriors. This is exactly how it will go down. This is how Phil Jackson would shut down the Warriors. First of all, everyone wants to see Michael Jordan in a Stephen Curry matchup. It's not going to happen. If, I don't know if you can probably look this up, but Stephen Curry hasn't had a shot blocked throughout the regular season. This is what you do. You put Pippen on Stephen Curry, a long wing player like Pippen, 6'7", who can block a shot and kind of force Curry to change his shot, take him out of his rhythm a little bit. You put Jordan on Clay Thompson. Now, a lot of people love Clay Thompson. They say he, if it wasn't for Stephen Curry, that he would have a lot more spotlight. If I remember my, if my memory serves correctly, Clay Thompson disappeared in the playoffs last year. He he was almost a non-factor. So you you pair Jordan up with him, you make him work on the other end against Jordan. And that that'll hurt his offensive game. Then for for Draymond Green, you'll have Rodman on him. Rodman is a, it's an excellent, probably one of the best rebounders we we've, we've seen in the game. And Draymond Green, as we know, is a triple-double machine. I think Robin's defense and his rebounding will, will kind of limit Draymond Green on both ends of the court. Now, people don't remember Ron Harper, but Ron Harper in Chicago was at the tail end of his career. Back when he was on the Clippers and the Cleveland Cavs, he was Paul George. He was a 6'6 shooting guard who could play both ends of the floor. He averaged two over two steals a game in those years with the Clippers and the Cavs. He dropped down to about 1.3 with the Bulls, but he's still good enough to guard someone like Harrison Barnes. Now, this is the key. You want Harrison Barnes to beat you. You want to lock Clay and Stephen down and force it all on Harrison Barnes. I know Draymond Green is the third guy of that big three with the Warriors, but he's not He's not an exceptional offensive threat. He's more of an all-around player. Now, if you put the ball in Harrison Barnes' hands and force him to beat you, it's not going to happen against these 95-96 Bulls. And I think Phil Jackson would be smart enough to see this, that he has to lock down the top player or try to slow him down because nowadays there are no lockdown defenders. I mean, there was a Kobe stopper, there's a this stopper. It's very hard to stop an offensive player from scoring buckets. Stephen Curry's going to get his buckets. Klay Thompson may disappear again like he did in last year's playoffs with, with Jordan on him. Again, he's going to have to work hard on the other side of the court. So I believe the Bulls have an edge because this is a team that can, that can play defense at all positions. You have Pippen who can, who can guard multiple positions. And if you think about it, Think about the Warriors' season. Which teams did they have problems with the most? The Boston Celtics and the San Antonio Spurs. Two teams that could play really good perimeter and inside defense. Yes, those teams didn't blow out the Warriors. It wasn't a show-out win. But these are the teams that gave the Warriors problems. And I believe the Bulls are those are way better than those two teams. Not way better than the Spurs, but way better than the Celtics. And they'll be able to, to force Warriors to take bad shots and get again get a series in six or seven games. Man, that was in depth. Like you totally went in the <laughs> wayback machine and you broke it down. Because for me, I whenever somebody says to me like, "Do you think that this team from 1981 would be this team from 2000?" I'm like, "Shut up!" Like, no, I do, let's not even talk about this because it's two different eras of the game. They're different players. 
it's just everything is different. So for me, I always have a hard time doing that. But man, I give you props. You broke it down. Um, I just it's it's so it's like it's like comparing oranges and tomatoes. It's like how do you compare Steph Curry, who is, is an elite shooter, a, a fantastic player, to Michael Jordan, who's the greatest player of all time? It's just it's it's so hard, and and obviously it's great for debate, and people get all up in arms. It's like you're talking politics or religion with people when you talk about you know Michael Jordan anything because again, and that's part of the reason that I think everybody was so up in arms Bulls fan wise about the fact that somebody did something better than Michael Jordan because in in most people's minds Michael Jordan is the greatest athlete in the in the world for for the history of time and somebody came along and did something one thing one game better than he did and and it's really it's like the sanctimony of Michael Jordan it's like whoa oh my goodness like Michael Jordan's not the greatest at something and, but you know even he said like man records are meant to be broken like it is what it is and you know he could have been like oh you kind of you know remember when he when he was inducted to the basketball hall of fame and he was like pretty you know all about me I mean he could have done that I mean it's Michael Jordan who's gonna tell him he's wrong but you know hands down he, he is he was he will ever be the greatest basketball player on the planet but even he said you know what records meant to be broken fantastic team but again it's, it's just for me it's hard to wrap my head around the idea of of comparing one generation of players to another but you you did your thing so um congratulations yeah you know i i try to do my my homework before we get on air and try to sound studious oh yeah i, I wing it i wing it all the time every day my, we're polar opposites one of us prepares <laughs> One of us over-prepares, and one of us just goes in and goes, nah, I nah. got this. I'm like, I just use my wit and my charm, and I'm just like, you know what? I don't I don't believe so. But no, no, no. I, <laughs> I do some research, but, you know, but not as much as Mo, because Mo is a, uh, uh, I don't want to call him a sucker, but um, Mo is uh, a... <laughs> He's all about stats guy. He's I'm all about yeah guy. that, and he likes Google. Google search is his best friend. Think, so think about it. If I wasn't on air with you guys or writing sports articles, I'd probably be an accountant if it wasn't so boring. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, not not you know everybody out there that's an accountant maybe listen to the show. Thank you for your for your diligence, but it's just oh, it's not for everyone. Oh yeah, shout outs to my accountant Herman. You, he's great. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a whole other story. We're gonna move on to something that's. I guess pretty exciting if you're not a Cavs fan, just looking in at what could happen at the end of the season. But uh, pose a question that was pretty interesting. How far do the Cavs have to go to convince LeBron to stay in Cleveland? Now, before Mike gives his opinion on this, I'll say this. LeBron's not going anywhere. He left. He came back. There's no way he can leave unless, and there's always kind of like a but or an unless, Unless the Cavs just get embarrassed by the Celtics, who I, again, who I have as a surprise team, Mike may not think so, but I think the Celtics can surprise some people. But if the Cavs do not make it to the NBA Finals, that means taking a step back because they went to the NBA Finals last year. If they don't make it to the NBA Finals, or if they go to the NBA Finals and get swept or win a game, it's possible that he could call up his boys Melo, CP3, Dwayne Wade, and say, hey, what can we do about reuniting or getting together to form another super team because if they get swept or if they don't make the NBA Finals, what it tells me is that the chemistry in the locker room is broken. And LeBron's going to see this and he's going to say either these guys got to go or I got to go. So do you think that there's any way that LeBron would force would force a trade out of Cleveland for himself i mean i know he has the opt-out but do you think that there's a way would he take the opt-out or do you think that he would try to facilitate a trade uh out and leave cleveland with something better than you know like he did last time when he just bounced 
when he took the decision to Miami. Do you think that that's a possibility, or, or is that totally off the table? I think that's that's an alternative route for LeBron. I think his first inclination will be to see how Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love feel first. If he feels those guys are going to leave, then he has no reason to, to force his way out. He could just call up his boys and ask them to, to come to Cleveland. But if he gets the feeling that Kyrie or Love may you know may stay, maybe he can get one guy in and then he can have his his a Robin to his Batman or be I hate to say LeBron as Robin, but if CP3 comes, they're kind of to me they'll be on equal level. It'll see, still be LeBron's team, of course. But uh, as you know, LeBron's getting older. He's he's been in the league for more than a decade. He's not the same player, so he's gonna need a player that's gonna be on the floor and be able to to run the team when he's not or when he's he's taking time off to kind of chill out or relax for the playoffs. But again, he's got to see what Kyrie and Love are gonna do. I, if anyone, I, I feel like. I feel like love doesn't fit, but they, I mean, they, they gave him a contract. Kyrie, I think, is unhappy, and I think I see him moving on. If Kyrie moves on and CP3 comes aboard, I think he'll be able to tolerate love because love is aloof, and he really doesn't cause that much noise, where Kyrie kind of feels like he wants a team to be his team at some point in his career. He's a young guy. He wants to carry a team. You want that, you want that feather in your cap. So if Kyrie leaves, I see LeBron staying and bringing his boy CP3 over. If Love leaves, then it's a different situation because then it's like, can Kyrie and LeBron coexist? And I and I have I have reservations on that. I don't know. I don't see it happening too well. I kind of see it like a Westbrook Durant sort of situation. But if he brings over, let's say, I don't think Wade comes over. Let's say Melo comes over to Cleveland with him, he might stay. But again, it'll take one of his boys coming over because with Love and Kyrie there, and if they don't make it back to the finals and it doesn't look good, he's got he's gonna say I gotta go. Well, the best thing that Kevin Love's done since he's been a Cleveland Cavalier is star in those awesome State Farm commercials where he's like dropping dimes, I'm dropping dimes, and like Chris Ball comes out the house, he's like Kevin, where you get all them dimes? So that's a fantastic commercial. I love it. I do. Absolutely. I do not see. Chris Paul leaving the LA Clippers for all the tea in China. I just, I don't, I don't know why he would leave. He's in a, he's in the, uh, probably the biggest market in the NBA right now. He's, he's on a team that, you know, if anything is on the upswing, he's, he's kind of got the keys to the kingdom. They also, but that's the thing is they have the, the pieces to trade. They could package Kevin Love or they could even send the big man, you know, Blake Griffin to the Cavaliers for LeBron if if that was a way they wanted or they could send one of those guys to the Knicks for Carmelo and I realize that's probably not enough the Knicks would have to give them something else I don't, I don't even know what that would be because they don't have a lot but if they if LeBron could opt out take take a small contract because he doesn't need much more money go to the Clippers now you've got two pieces of the puzzle Dwayne Wade can also opt out after next year or you can trade for Dwayne Wade again this is just putting together this magic team that they want I think Wade of all the guys is probably has the least left in the tank because of all the injuries so again you have pieces to trade if it's if it's anyone parting ways it's either going to be LeBron leaving Cleveland or Cleveland having to deal with LeBron and his antics and wanting to get his boys over now you mentioned Dwayne Wade at his at his mature age and he's been in Miami for his entire career. I just don't see Dwayne Wade leaving. He already did the whole Wade LeBron thing, and they, you know, they won some championships there. So I, I feel like he's a lock to stay in Miami and retire a Miami Heat player. But as far as it goes for for Melo, who's unhappy with the Knicks, and we'll talk about that next. He's a guy that I think will come over because he'll realize that he cannot be the best player on his team and win a championship. 
I think he's going to be the guy that's going to make a phone call or they'll probably be on some banana boat sailing into some ocean or river and they'll talk about it. And, and Mel will say, hey, I'm not happy with, with New York, with the way things are going. Phil Jackson wants to run this this goofy triangle and it's not working. You know, do you got a spot for me? And if, again, if Love leaves and Kyrie decides to stay and hang along for the ride, I think Melo, LeBron, and Kyrie Irving win the championship. As far as CP3, you got to think about CP... Chris Paul wanted to go... Well, not wanted. He was he was originally slated to go to the Lakers. It didn't happen. Davis Stern nixed the trade. And the Clippers, I hate to say it, but they were the second option. Same building, but the franchise was the second option. How happy is he with DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin? We, we all heard whispers about Chris Paul kind of being difficult in the locker room, and that's kind of part of the reason why DeAndre Jordan wanted to leave. Now, with DeAndre Jordan locked up, Blake Griffin going through his problems... Is CP3 thinking, hmm, if I get bumped in the second round this year, do I want to retire a chump like Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing without a ring? Or do I want to go to Cleveland with my friend and win a championship? So let's say Kyrie or let's say Kyrie leaves. You got to think that CP3 is actually thinking, I can go to Cleveland. Yes, not a lot to do in Cleveland. It's not LA. It's not the Staples Center. But I can win a championship and, and retire a winner. So I think you got to think about those factors about what happens with the other teams. We all know the Knicks are a dumpster fire, but how far will the will the Clippers go in the playoffs, and how happy is Chris Paul going to be? Yeah, it's a, I can see the two teams matching up in a trade. I mean, if you if they're really you really want to make a turnover in Cleveland, LeBron is your general manager slash coach. Uh, you take you take Kevin Love, who's a Los Angeles boy. You take Kyrie, and you send them to the Clippers for obviously Chris Paul. I I don't I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe I don't know how many first round picks they have. Maybe they can send a future first, send Jamal Crawford because there was a rumor that he was also linked to Cleveland last off season. So that could be that could be something. Obviously, then you have too many power forwards, but you know you could then send you know possibly Blake Griffin somewhere for another you know another part, maybe a two guard, maybe a small forward. So there's a lot of lot of moving intangibles but those two teams do link up pretty well if and when the time comes that you know everybody's ready for a change because those are two teams that are kind of if they don't win this year they're kind of stuck you know golden state appears to be getting better everybody else is either staying the same or you know regressing a bit but it's uh it, it could be a lot of fun i think the offseason could be a lot of fun i just hope the uh, the rest of the playoffs are as interesting as at least the talking that we're doing about what could come Absolutely. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out for Cleveland, but just be careful or be mindful of what comes out in the papers and the media about LeBron's happiness in Cleveland because I believe if LeBron feels like it can't work in Cleveland, you're going to start to hear more things in the media. I know he does his media blackout to focus on the playoffs, but if stories come out that LeBron's not happy, that's not going to rub off well for Kyrie and Love, and probably he'll, he'll kind of force maybe one of them to leave if he's speaking to them through the media and they say, oh, well, LeBron's not happy with me, I can go somewhere else where I'm appreciated. So I think LeBron could pull that antic. It sounds conniving, yes, I know, but these players, they do a lot of things behind closed doors, as we know, and he could push for a change in Cleveland if it doesn't work out. But on to another franchise where things aren't working out. As you know, the Knicks uh, missed the playoffs again. 32-50, and 50, I believe their record was. I had them at 34-48. and 48. I was off by two wins. Still pretty close. Mastradamus still lives. We'll talk about that. But um, as far as the Knicks front office, their organizational structure, Phil Jackson had an interesting quote to New York Daily News reporter Stephen Bondi that I'm going to read to you real quick and give my 
give my response to it. And he, he's basically responding to critics. He's saying, there are critics? Who are these people? Why would people even say that? They have, do they have 11 championship chips to show you when they talk about that? And he's referring to the triangle. People are coming at Phil Jackson's neck for a poor execution of the triangle on the court, and he's basically firing back at critics for criticizing his offensive system. Now, he also said that he's only going to interview people that he knows. So basically, if you're if you're not in Phil Jackson's inner circle, if he hasn't had filet mignon with you at the most expensive restaurants, he's not calling you for the Knicks head coaching job. I think this is this is a problem only because as as the VP, he needs to go outside of his circle to find the best coach, not the best coach he knows. And this is why he's so connected to Kurt Rambis. We all know Kurt Rambis' history with Phil Jackson. And I also read in a Frank Isola piece that Derek Fisher didn't really entertain Phil Jackson's wishes to run a triangle. Derek Fisher kind of wanted to run his own show on the court. Phil Jackson come down to practices, give his input, and Derek Fisher would just kind of give him the, the finger, like, you know, just kind of get away from me. I got this. Whereas Kurt Rambis allows Phil Jackson to come to practices, give his input, and he'll listen. So basically, Phil Jackson wants to, again, I said this on last episode podcast, that he just wants to control this team. He wants to be the VP and the head coach at the same time. He wants a guy that he can control. This is why he's only going to interview people he knows. Yeah, I've always been such a huge Phil Jackson supporter. I've always been a, a Phil Jackson fan. I'm always the guy that's like, oh, yeah, he's the greatest head coach of all time, better than Red Auerbach, blah, blah, blah. But it's just getting to the point where it's another, like, stale story hey phil if you want to run the triangle you should be the coach it's really that simple you have 11 championships that's amazing you had michael jordan scotty pippen kobe bryant shaquille o'neal you had you had the greatest players of their eras arguably and yes it takes a great coach to to mold them and to get them to buy into your philosophy and he did that but you still had the horses my man so right now you don't and the whole thing about phil jackson and why i personally as a fan was so excited is because it's phil jackson people want to play for phil jackson well we haven't really seen that come into fruition yet he he did an amazing job getting Porzingis in the draft. He got, that was great. He hasn't really kept Carmelo happy. This has been a constant thing. You didn't really go out and sign any of the big free agents last offseason, and, and now what are we talking about this offseason? We haven't even focused on the players yet because we've yet to get the right coach in. And Ramses, who has more losses than any head coach in the history of the NBA should have, he shouldn't even be on the board, okay? He he didn't he didn't do anything right with the team to advance them. And if you want to say that's Phil Jackson's fault or having too much input, fine. But this isn't working. And as and look, we all blame James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, because he usually has too much say, but he's taken a backseat to Phil Jackson and it's still not working. And I'm all about, you know, giving it time, I'm letting it marinate, but if we don't make the right decision for a head coach now, this is just something that's going to prolong the agony. And and Carmelo's not getting any younger, and his knees are not getting any better, and the roster is not getting any better. Yes, Jerry and Grant showed signs. Porzingis should be the real deal. Galloway, who knows? There's just a lot of question marks. And 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 if are we going to get the right guy to step in, the right guy that has the right mentality, or are we just going to get the right guy that is going to appease? Phil, because that's not going to appease anybody else. And this is just, this is the problem. This is the dilemma. This is why, like you said, it is a dumpster that is on fire. So we need someone to put it out and put it out fast. Otherwise, this team is going to be more irrelevant than the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's saying a lot after what this, that entire organization just went through this past season. 
I mean, think about it. Think about this, Mike. Greg Monroe chose to play in Milwaukee yeah. over New York. Milwaukee. Yeah. What is in... No offense to my people in Milwaukee. I have family... Distant family in Milwaukee. <laughs> but what is in Milwaukee that he cannot get in New York? I mean, obviously it wasn't the money. The Knicks could have gave him the money. But he wanted to play in Milwaukee for Jason Kidd. Think about that. I mean, Phil Jackson, the VP, is different than Phil Jackson, the head coach. And I always say that. People go... Oh, bounce to the altar of Phil Jackson. I'm like, it's a different position. Yeah. He's not going to be on the court coaching the team. He's not going to be running the triangle. He's not going to have Kobe Bryant. He's not going to have Michael Jordan. He's going to have Carmelo Anthony, who, again, is a great scorer, but not a complete player like Jordan and, and Kobe. I mean, you can't even compare. He's not on the same level as those players. He's not a transitional, transcendent talent. He's a good talent, but he's not. he's not on that level. So if you think about it, I mean, I think Knicks fans, they got their hopes up when they got the name brand of Phil Jackson just to understand what his job is going to be. And as you said, if it's if it's the appeal that, oh, I'm going to be playing for Phil Jackson's team, it ain't working out because we got Aaron Afalo and Derek Williams. I, I, last time I checked, oh, yeah, and Robin Lopez. Last time I checked, that's not that's not A-plus caliber talent. So the Knicks are going to have to shuffle the deck. Phil Jackson's going to have to step outside of his bubble, stop being stubborn, and just open his mind a bit. I'm not saying that he has to go far over the gate. Uh, um, reports have it that David Blatt is there. Knicks are interested in David Blatt. I don't see that being an option, only because David Blatt had LeBron, if you think about it. Well, I mean, what coach is not going to do pretty well with LeBron James? I guarantee you Tyron Lue gets to the NBA Finals with LeBron James running his team. So David Blatt is not a good option for me. I mean, the guy does does have experience in non NBA on non NBA teams coaching, but it's just not the same. I do like the Mark Jackson reports. Mark Jackson coached the Warriors and and basically built the Warriors up before they actually became the Warriors, the the greatest regular season team of all time. So I like the Mark Jackson rebuild because I think he can he can kind of tear down a team and build it back up from the court. But will Mark Jackson run the triangle like Phil wants? Eh, I don't think so. I think there will be clashes there, which is why I say, Phil, you need to go back to the West Coast. Go back to L.A., go be with your wife, go run the Lakers. Kobe's not there anymore. You can do whatever you want with that team. You got some key parts over there. You got D'Angelo Russell still taking pictures on his phone, which he should be doing. Just pull him aside, tell him not to do it. But go to L.A., run that team, and leave the Knicks alone. James Dolan needs to have a very comprehensive coach, head coaching search. I say do not bring in Tom Thibodeau unless he's learned his lesson from the Chicago Bulls when he wore those players down. Players are now leaving the Bulls with knee injuries and wanting to go elsewhere because they're worn down. But again, I like Mark Jackson. I like Luke Walton for the Knicks. Yeah, well, Tom Thibodeau, the report says he now wants to go to Minnesota and ruin all of those guys' careers. So uh, don't do it, Minnesota, because really, you've got a good thing going on there. And unfortunately, maybe Thibodeau wasn't all his fault, but he definitely worked those guys down to the bone. It's really simple. It's got to be Luke Walton, A, it's Mark Jackson, B, and it's a mystery coach from college, C, maybe um, John Calipari. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. But these are the names that might get people excited. Anything else is just going to be a letdown. But let's, you know, that's what I think. I mean, is it too much to say, hey, Mike Krzyzewski, could you come to New York? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Unfortunately, because then Kobe will want to come back and play. So, yeah. 
but you know, let's talk about let's talk about something that it's 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 kind of fun to to think back upon, and it was uh was the subject of last week's Thirty for Thirty, the fantastic ESPN documentary series, and something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, uh, the Orlando Magic, and and the, really the documentary focused on what could have been had Shaq stayed in Orlando and had Penny stayed healthy, and and the titles that Orlando could have possibly won with the nucleus that they had in the early 90s. Now, Mo, did you catch Did you catch the documentary? Of course. And you know I texted you right away, and I was like, man, I know you're at work right now yeah. at your other job, <laughs> making more mo money, more buckets, yeah. but you need to see this 30 for 30 documentary on the magic. And, and before you dive into it, because I know this is closer to your heart, being that you are in Orlando right now, but uh, it's close to my heart, too. I still have a pair of Penny Hardaway sneakers in my closet, mm. by the way. But it was pretty interesting to see, and I like to watch these these documentaries where it's kind of like a business build up from the ground up because I'm I'm more of a builder type of guy. So I like to see how like things from the grassroots started before it came into fruition. And it was interesting to see how the Magic came about. Uh, they came in as an expansion team with I believe the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets at the time, and then they they built their team again from the ground up. They had Dennis Scott and Nick Anderson were they with their early picks, and then they got. A very lucky swing. They got Shaq and Anthony Hardaway back to back, and again that Anthony Hardaway number one pick. They were they were like point point something chance of getting that first pick, and they still got it. This is a team that was coming off, I believe, a forty one and forty one season, just missed the playoffs, and then they get the first round. They get the number one pick, so that was crazy. They had a nice uh, combination with Shaq and Anthony Hardaway, and Shaq also said, you know, before Shaq and Kobe. It was Shaq and Anthony Hardaway, Shaq and Penny. And and that's that's telling to say a lot of kids now growing up won't even know who Penny Hardaway is because he was so great in a short period of time, I believe six or seven years, he had some great seasons. And then his knees just gave out on him after the Magic and Shaq kind of derailed that franchise. And I'll explain to you how that happened. Shaq basically was up for a new contract. And the Magic, I believe, gave him four years for $80 million. And then he turns on ESPN, as he says, and he sees Zoe Morning getting a $100 million deal. And he's the first guy, I believe, to get that as a center. And Shaq's like, hold on, wait a minute. If he's getting that money, I need more money, more buckets, too. So Shaq goes back to the Magic organization. He goes, I think he's, I, I believe he said $150 million. And the Magic were kind of slow with that. They didn't kind of jump on it right away, but Shaq was really adamant about getting his money because he felt he was the most dominant player in the league, which he which he was. And the Magic were slow with it. The agent, Shaq's agent, actually was kind of tweeting with L.A. even before he came to the Magic. So when the rumors came about that he could go to L.A., it wasn't a surprise to me. Shaq was larger than life. As you know, he did movies. He was in rap songs. Arsenio Hall, he rapped with his favorite artists. He was, again, he was just larger than a basketball He was more than a basketball player, as he is now, an analyst. But uh, basically, the Lakers are able to steal Shaq from the Magic, who was slow to pay him. And that basically derailed the franchise. Penny Hardaway had to carry the team after Shaq left. As, you, as I mentioned, his knees wore down. That didn't last long. Nick Anderson was never the same after missing four consecutive free throws in game one of the 1995 finals against the Houston Rockets. And he was a broken man. And for people who say... There's no such thing as momentum and emotional warfare in sports. Look at that documentary and look at Nick Anderson. He missed those four free throws and he was never the same again. He was one of the best free throw shooters in the league. 
Once that happened, he went way down the tombs, never found himself again. Player, his teammates even said it. Just wasn't the same guy. He didn't want to shoot free throws. Technical fouls would come. He's supposedly the best free throw shooter. He would ask other people to shoot the free throws. This is a this was a broken man. And the magic were broken. From Shaq down to Penny's injuries, down to Nick Anderson. It it was a mess. It was great how it started. It was so short. Shaq was there, I believe, four, four seasons, I believe. Mike can correct me on that. But um, it was a short-lived ride. I love seeing Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, Shaq, Penny on the court. As I watched them when I first loved watching NBA basketball, it was a great documentary. Uh, I didn't feel the same pain as Mike probably felt, which he'll share next. But uh, it was great to see that that history in the books. Totally. It was it was just great storytelling, you know, from from a film standpoint. And obviously, you know, with my background, I really appreciated everything that I that I got to see. And obviously, you know, here in Orlando with the build up to the premiere on ESPN, there was, you know, a lot of radio people talking, you know, you're not going to see the whole story. You're not going to hear all the bad things, because obviously Shaq and Penny did executive produce the, uh, the, the short or the film, excuse me. And it was it was but, it, you know, down down to the bones of it. It was just a really great story. There was so many heart-wrenching moments i mean this was honestly one of my favorite teams the one of the reasons that i got into being a basketball fan the beginning of my life the first jerseys i had were a white penny hardaway and a blue penny hardaway and i loved everything about about these guys and you know it, it just it takes you back to a different era of basketball i mean when when Shaq was the first draft pick they already had a Shaq number one jersey show like be the gm had it showing to the press that would never happen today because the nba would not allow it i mean when they're when the the magic were playing the pacers in the playoffs and rick smith is sitting on the bench he had an orlando magic towel around his neck it was just a different it was a different entity it was a different nba and like you said Shaq only played four years when would you ever see a rookie contract expire after four years now and the team doesn't hold his bird rights doesn't hold his exclusive rights but like they said in the documentary that's because there was a tiny loophole for the first time ever in the collecting collective bargaining agreement that allowed a rookie player to be an unrestricted free agent after his first four seasons i mean that that doesn't happen anymore it can't happen because look what it did to the Orlando magic it totally totally really deflated this organization and and you know what it's really the magic's fault unfortunately and and i'm around it here in orlando this has never been a great a great organization that's been ran correctly okay they've had some great teams they've had some great players but it's just the people that are running it aren't necessarily basketball people they may be business people but it's not it's ran more like a business than it is run like a basketball type of organization. When Shaq, who used to run the floor like a gazelle and pass the ball like like a young, uh, you know, Oscar Robertson, when he came up for free agency, there's no way you should have even let him talk to anybody. You should have offered him the max. A hundred million should have been should have been the least. And I know I know this was 1996 and money was different and contracts were different. And like you see in the documentary, they actually traded Scott Skiles to clear cap space. And this was one of the first instances that this ever happened i mean you this this wasn't a thing that you traded expiring contracts for money so there were things being implemented that were the first so they should have gone ahead and you have a shack who's a once in a lifetime player you had to keep him in orlando 
forever. And it, it's nice that Jack said that, you know, if he could do it all over again, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have left. But he, he probably would have because he was bigger than life and he wanted to be in movies and he had that charismatic uh, attitude and way of life that he did excel in Los Angeles. And look, he won a bunch of titles. He's a, he's a great player, one of the top 50 NBA players of all time. So it worked out for him, but not for the Magic because they, they did this whole thing with Dwight Howard a number of years later, the same exact set of circumstances happened i mean dwight should have looked in the mirror and said well i don't want to follow Shaq to a t but he did and like you said when when Shaq left and penny was forced to take on the team on his shoulders he only played six years with the magic he played two more years after after Shaq. his knees broke down he was a shell of his former self because he had to put all that on him and had Shaq stayed maybe he wouldn't have gotten hurt maybe he would have been the next magic johnson i mean anything is possible the guy just the guy did it all man he could shoot he could defend he could soar through the air he could dribble he could drive i mean he was amazing for those six years but after that and he went to phoenix and he went to the knicks and he just was not the same player and like he said he should have retired seven years earlier so it was just a shame and by the end of the documentary i was like i was depressed i was like man those are some of the greatest years of you know personally in my life as a kid in my adolescence and i'm just like what could have been and like you said those four free those four free throws by nick anderson yes that was huge and it did derail his career but i was talking to my dad about it today and i was like you know what Looking back, Houston got the rebound. They called the timeout. So Brian Hill grabbed everybody around him, and he told Nick Anderson, we're going to take a delay of game penalty. You're going to step out of bounds as soon as they get the ball and are ready to inbound. What he didn't do, he didn't do that because he was so mentally out of it by missing those four free throws. So this is where it comes down to coaching. And I didn't see this in the documentary, and I'm a little surprised that everybody focused just on the on the free throws that – you're the coach. You know that this guy is out of it. So you needed to take him out of the game. It was only 10 seconds left. You put somebody else in the game that's got his head on straight, and you allow him to do the correct thing. And Penny even said, if he steps out, you see that the, you see that they're going to get the ball to Kenny Smith. He'll be on Kenny Smith. They'll stop the three-pointer. But that didn't happen. He kept Nick in the game. I'm sure he did it to keep his morale up. But Nick compounded the four missed free throws by not stepping out of bounds. That's the reason they lost. Because even if even if Nick misses those free throws, if he keeps his head in the game, there's only, you know, there's a 50-50 chance of Kenny making that shot. But he was wide open because Penny was late to get to the get to the inbound pass. So to me, it's coaching. And, you know, Brian Hill obviously paid the piper the next season when he was fired. But that, for me, was one of the big turning points of this organization. And it was, oh, it could have been so great. And, you know, they were talking on Scott Inez here on, on the radio, uh, you know, the the, the uh, ESPN affiliate here in Orlando. And he was bitter. He's saying all those uh, all those championships in L.A. should have been ours. That's that's fine to say. But you, if you couldn't get the first one, you couldn't rebound from from losing that game one to Houston. You could you had you had three more opportunities. It got swept. You know what? There's nobody to pin it on but that team and those players and that coaching staff. It, it's really unfortunate because they were great, but it was so short-lived that without this documentary, we really all forgot about it, to be honest with you. It, it's tough seeing it because I was a huge Penny guy. I love the Penny doll with Chris Rock before he was Chris Rock that we know today. It was funny how he it was like his alter ego, as they explained it, because Penny was such a reserved guy. And they wanted to kind of promote him. And then they had that battle between Shaq and Penny where it was like, whose team is it? And that was, people would say that was the beginning of the breakup. When you have two alpha males, and it's funny that they label, you kind of label Penny an alpha male because he's really not personality-wise. But because he was so talented, they wanted to market him. And they were saying that he was more marketable or just as marketable as Michael Jordan. Think about that. 
as marketable as the greatest player of all time in some people's eyes. And the guy didn't have a lengthy career. So when I saw that, it just brought me back, and I was just like, wow, the, the sneakers, the doll, how good the Magic were at a time where the Pacers were battling, the Bulls were battling, Jordan did have a, a short stint when he retired and came back, and, and the Knicks were in there too. But the Magic tried, and it, it just didn't work out. It just fell apart. As you said, they're more business guys than basketball franchise people, and they made a huge mistake with uh, Handley Shaq, and, and Shaq wanted more in L.A. He did get more. He won. He three-peated with the Lakers with Kobe Bryant. The Magic would eventually get back to the finals with a young Dwight Howard, but that, that was short-lived, and they were they were killed in the finals 4-1, to one, I believe. And it's, it's sad to see a franchise like that because, again, they – it's Disney, you think Disney, Magic, small small market. Uh, Shaq derailed the franchise. You just think where they would have been today if Shaq had stayed and they had a consistent flow of free agents wanting to come to Orlando because of the history there. Yeah. You can only imagine now what that would have been like. Absolutely. And, and to your point where you know they talked about Michael Jordan being a, a lesser marketing tool, it's because the guys, kids growing up, like me, for instance, I was 13, you know, you were 11, we were starting to, we were getting into basketball, we were playing it, we were, we knew about it, so Penny was our guy, whereas Michael Jordan, you know, came in the league, you know, the, the mid-80s, he was already established, he was already, you know, he was at the tail end of his career, he was just coming back from playing baseball, and that whole debacle that he went through, so Penny was our guy, this was the moment when the NBA was really starting to find itself and becoming a a huge conglomerate, a huge business, a money-making machine. And, and that's thanks to Michael Jordan, obviously, and the Dream Team and everyone that came before. But this was the new NBA. This is the NBA that's preceded, you know, uh, what we see today, what we see in LeBron, what we've seen in Carmelo, all these guys. And then there'll be more like the Steph Currys of the world. So you got to, you know, I'm thankful for what came before. But, man, this was our era. And it was it was just, it was fun to see. It was those beautiful Orlando Magic uniforms. It was, it was just, yeah. it, made, it really made the spirit of the game uh, come alive, especially for me and you know and i hope for one living in orlando that this team can get back to those days but again uh, a lot of incompetence that goes around unfortunately there's a lot of moves that need to be made but at least for one night it was uh it was kind of it was kind of a good thing to feel a part of the orlando magic community and hope for the best in the coming future well that is it for open mic we we talked your ear off we had some fun but we're gonna be back with I know Mo's favorite segment because it's partially named after him, Building Momentum, and he's going to talk about the trade that, in my opinion, shouldn't have been. And no, I'm not talking about the Robert Griffin the third trade, although it seems very much like it. We'll be right back. It's now time for Building Momentum. The NFL Draft is still a few weeks away, but... Shockwaves, and I mean that. Shockwaves were sent through the NFL world and the media world when the... I just... I don't understand it. When the Titans, the Titans who held the number one pick, sent it. Where did they send it, Mo? They sent it over to a team that valued it far more than they probably should have. The brand new Los Angeles Rams, and they, they acquired, like... 1900 draft picks for the first pick in the draft and now it looks like they decided on a california boy to be the face of their franchise and i just don't get it does nobody learn from the past do we not learn what happened to robert griffin herschel walker i could go on and on i just don't understand but maybe you mr nfl have a little bit more insight onto why this makes sense uh the only reason i can 
drum up is Case Keenum. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, outside the NFL circles, who's really excited to see Case Keenum? I mean, think about think about it this way: the Rams basically traded half of California for the first <laughs> round pick, and they're probably gonna go with Carson Wentz. Now, there's a reason for this. There's a there's an aesthetic reason for this, and there's a football reason for this. The aesthetic reason is they're going to a new city. They want to draw fans in. They want they want to draw that excitement. So you you draft up, or you trade up. You get the number one quarterback in the draft, which people feel is Carson Wentz. I have different opinion. I feel it's Jared Goff, but that right there tells you that it's not a, it's not a consensus that Goff and Wentz, depending on who you ask, either one could be the best quarterback in the draft. But the Rams obviously feel like one of them. I'm saying Wentz, but I, I don't know for sure who they're going to go with. They could go with Goff, for all I know. But whoever it is, they feel like he's he's the consensus number one, and they're going to take a chance on him. Now, you mentioned a Robert Griffin III trade. For those who aren't in the know, the Washington Redskins traded off a Robert Griffin III, and the Rams actually acquired a bunch of picks. And you see how it worked out for Washington. Kind of set their franchise back, and now Kirk, Captain Kirk Cousins is here to save the day. Not really. But... um. That went wrong. That went awry. And the Rams are basically falling into the same trap that they were on the right side of years ago. Again, they, they let go of six picks. They, they let go of the 15th pick in this year's draft, two second-round picks, a third-round pick, and then a first and third-round pick next year in 2017. That doesn't sound like a good move to me. Obviously, at 15, the Rams felt like they probably weren't going to get a quarterback or maybe not get the top two quarterbacks in this draft, but maybe they would have wound up with Paxton Lynch, and I think they would have been fine with Paxton Lynch. Obviously, they didn't think so, and they felt they needed to trade up to save their franchise for the near future and draw fans in as they moved to L.A. Now, as a guy who who recently left L.A. for Orlando, uh, I, you obviously don't feel excited about this. Now, if they, let's say they wind up with Carson Wentz. I feel like he he can give you he can give not you guys because you're now in Orlando but he mm-hmm. can give the Rams some hope for the future. I don't think he starts right away because again he was at North Dakota State, which is an FCS school, I believe, and they're basically the junior varsity. They don't play. He they played one Division one game against I believe Iowa State, and they lost that game. And Carson Wentz didn't do that well, so you got to think of it that way. He's gonna need some time to develop. The Rams, uh, whoever's pulling the trigger, let's need the GM. Jeff Fisher maybe coaxed them into doing it. But the team has a good defense. They have Todd Gurley there. So whoever the quarterback is, he'll have some help with the defense and a good running back to play behind. Well, according to my sources, and nine times out of ten, that's you. Um, I've, we've heard that they now like Goff because he's a California boy. He's good looking. He's a quarterback. He's going to be the face of the franchise. Now, obviously, it seems like every day the reports go back and forth. Me, personally, I do like Wentz. I like that the fact that he's got a prototypical NFL body. He can run. He can throw. I mean, I just, I think in the long haul, and I call, the other day you got mad at me because I told you that uh, your boy Goff was a, a poor man's Aaron, uh, Alex Smith, and you took Stop you it. took offense to that. And that's fine. That's fine. But from what I understand, they are now leaning towards Goff, and the reason they traded up to one was because uh, all indications were that Cleveland was infatuated with Goff. So now right. Cleveland, the dumpster fire that is the Browns, are now completely bummed and do not want Wentz. So the rumor is now that they are going 
going to trade out of two. And there's a plethora of teams that may trade up, including the Philadelphia Eagles, who like Ezekiel Elliott. There's also talk that the Titans may trade back to two, which I'm completely confused about, to grab Jalen Ramsey or Laramie Tunsil. Uh, okay, maybe. I mean, depending, as, as long as you don't have to give up all the draft picks that you just got, and then I just feel like that that's a lateral movement, then you could have just drafted whoever, you know, whoever they may have wanted and then made the switch later, like most teams do in the NBA. But, yeah, it's neither here nor there. So there's a, there's a, there's a, lot, there's a lot of moving parts. I personally wouldn't have made the trade because – I don't feel anybody is a, a clear-cut number one. Like, Tunsil, maybe, because why? He will use a tackle. But, again, there's question marks. The quarterbacks, eh, none of them really played for a super team. None of them, except for Wentz, have a huge body. But, again, Wentz is still North Dakota State. Paxton Lynch, I'm not touching a guy named Paxton. So, I just... <coughs> I just don't. Ezekiel Elliott last month he was going to the Giants at twenty. So I, there's this there's way too much uncertainty in this draft. We've still got two weeks. Who knows what could happen? I mean, John Elway might be the first overall pick. I don't know what's going to go on, but it's it's drive it's making me crazy already because we're not there yet. And I do think there's going to be a lot of movement. The only draft pick that I think should be set in stone should be Joey Bosa for to the Cowboys. But now the other rumor is that the Jaguars may trade up the three because they like Bosa just to beat the Cowboys to it so like wah wah wee wah there's a lot of trades there's a lot of talk uh me for one i just can't wait to see the first round over with so at least we have some kind of clarity because there's a lot of teams that need to you know need to make the correct draft pick to kind of get their get their organization on the right on the right track but i don't really know that any of these guys are going to put any team uh above anybody else as a clear-cut winner i i just i just don't uh, quick disclaimer: We, on behalf of Mike, I apologize to all the Paxons listening to the show. <laughs> all, Sorry about that. all three of you in West Virginia. <laughs> that was a, that was a complete shot at, at the Paxons of the world. But what uh, name is that? I mean, I, I, I'm a little different. Again, I'm I differ from you in opinion. I actually like Paxton Lynch. I've watched his film, and I think he could be pretty good. He has he has a, a delayed windup, but that could be that could be torqued. And yeah, so did Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Yeah, he, um, he had the late windup. Yeah, how'd that work out? He'll be a lot. He'll be a lot better than Tim Tebow. I can get. I'll guarantee that. Yeah. Uh, Tim Tebow was an atrocity at quarterback. But a nice guy. He was a nice guy. That's what matters. Yeah, he drinks milk and goes to church. That makes him a nice guy. Hey, I don't know the guy. I'll hang so out. I won't even say that. But uh, <laughs> I would like to see. Well, before I go into what I what I would like to see, there's a report ESPN's Mike Mark Dominic, who's a former uh, front office guy for the, I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, said that that there's a Colin Kaepernick deal already in place if San Francisco drafts a quarterback. Now this draws me back to our original discussion because I feel like let's say Carson Wentz and Jared Goff go one and two, a team trades up for Goff, or or Wentz, or let's say. The Rams choose wins, and the Browns go with Goff. So now let's say Paxton Lynch falls to San Francisco. I think you'll hear a draft day trade where the Denver Broncos okay or execute the trade, and they acquire Callan Kaepernick as that'll allow Chip Kelly to work with Blaine Gabbert. Yes, I said Blaine Gabbert. And Paxton Lynch, and then whoever wins the quarterback competition in training camp gets the job. And I feel that's that's a possibility. I feel like there's a lot of trades that can happen on draft day, and you just spoke about a few of them, but that being one of them. Especially with the Jets, they still have Muhammad Wilkinson, who's unhappy. Reports, Recent reports had him being happy going to the 49ers. What? That'll be interesting to see. 
if the 49ers draft a quarterback and then trade and get Muhammad Wilkinson on draft day because the Jets could trade up. I don't want them trading up, giving up the farm like the Rams, but maybe they, they trade up for a quarterback. Who knows? Maybe they trade up to number two because Fitzpatrick still hasn't returned to the team yet and the team and Fitzpatrick agents seem to be far apart in negotiations. Now, I read recent reports saying that Fitzpatrick could sign back around April 18th. So we're a couple of days away from that. Where else is Brian Fitzpatrick going to go? He's going to return to the Jets, but I still think the Jets draft a quarterback to learn behind Fitzpatrick for the one, two years that he's there to solidify their future. So opening night, Thursday night, which the NFL schedule was just released, you're going to see the Carolina Panthers playing the, the, the reigning Super Bowl champion, Denver Broncos, and either Mark Sanchez or Colin Kaepernick under center. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that, that'll be totally interesting to see. I, I'm a Mark Sanchez guy. I'm not saying he's the greatest, but I don't. I think people are just giving him too much guff for the for the butt fumble. Again, it was one play that happened, but he can steer Denver to the playoffs. I oh, feel Kaepernick can also do the same. That's that's bold because I just see I just see Carolina squashing them uh, in you know in the return to NFL season on <laughs> on a Thursday night. Hey, I said I didn't say that they would win that game. Whew. I said they could go to the playoffs, but yeah. I'm not giving them a chance. To, right, I mean, to beat be- Carolina opening night. That's not gonna happen. No, between that quarterback situation possibility and Paxton Lynch and, and Blaine Gabbert, like wow, this is why quarterbacks are such at such a premium because there's just there's a, a lack in, in depth and quality. It's just it's really it's hard to it's hard to imagine any team going out with those guys, you know, and saying this is our starting quarterback, kinda like the Case Keenums of the world where you just, you had to know that just wasn't gonna wasn't gonna last. They had to go out and get somebody. I don't know that this was the right move, but but so be it. At least they're making you know moves in in some kind of direction. Hopefully it's a positive one. But on to teams that are making moves or at least trying. The Cleveland Browns are back in the news. Everybody, <laughs> like bad reasons. Is anybody surprised? And no, we're not just talking about Johnny Manziel showing up at Coachella today. You've we obviously have already heard the news that him and his boys uh, caused thirty two thousand thirty two thousand dollars worth of damage to a west hollywood home obviously this was quite a nice home but how you cause thirty two thousand dollars worth of damage is beyond me i mean is there a porch in the living room i just don't get it but more importantly is the fact that josh gordon failed another drug test and people will debate with you and say oh it wasn't that much marijuana well sir you shouldn't be smoking any marijuana when you're trying to get yourself back in the nfl especially when you know that you're going to be randomly drug tested now he did fail uh he claims it still you know wasn't wasn't uh wasn't his doing so i don't know how marijuana gets in your system maybe it's secondhand smoke <laughs> but he he does have the opportunity to uh stay clean until august and possibly be reinstated so i don't know if this is the nfl just going soft because he's like a, a four or five time offender now but even if he is to be released by cleveland which they should have done already there's going to be plenty of interest and as was reported by cbs i forget the name of the reporter but they say he's going going to be picked up because he's quote unquote not greg hardy wow uh, uh that's not saying much wow but. that's not that's the worst comparison in the world so <laughs> because you're not greg hardy and you're not a serial abuser of people we're gonna allow you back in the nfl congratulations so to make matters worse for uh for my man jg uh he was said to be at the home that was uh 
the party was thrown. If anybody's heard about the details of the party, if you haven't go on Google and Google it, it was yeah, it was, must have been like a party for the ages, according to everybody that was there. But Josh Gordon was also said to be there. Now he claims that is also untrue, and there were reports last week that Josh Gordon was actually uh, having Johnny Menzel live with him in L.A. So this is just one big mess that everyone should stay away from. But again, if you're a if you're a special athlete in the NFL, meaning you can throw the ball really far catch it or run really quick you can probably be in the nfl regardless of what you do and i don't think that that's the way it should be but it's the it's the no fun league for a reason except when they can make some money off of you yeah absolutely um i i'm just gonna throw this out there at first i was on twitter caping for josh gordon because i compared his situation to martavis bryant's where yeah there's substance abuse but there could be deeper issues there as far as uh depression issues and which leads him to, uh, you know, smoke weed or wherever it is. But then I see the situation where he's hanging out with Johnny Manziel, and I'm like, this has nothing to do with addiction. This is just bad decision-making. You are you are working to be reinstated into the NFL. You just failed a drug test. It was diluted. But you are hanging out with Johnny Manziel while you're trying to get yourself right? It's just poor decision. Uh, reports were out that he picked up Manziel after a car accident in, in L.A., and then as you as you just spoke about that he was in this uh rental in Hollywood where the the place was completely trash. There was alcohol, drugs, weed, cocaine, and mushrooms on the table visible. Not saying that they were using them, but it was in the room, in the place with them. Yeah, they were just so, there for decoration. They were it was just it was all like a prop. It was like a Hollywood prop. Nobody was using them at all. <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah, they were just doing a video shoot yeah, with uh, yeah, yeah. Little Wayne, right? Totally. Goodness gracious. But again, I, I was on Josh Gordon's side saying, let's not judge him because he may have deeper issues. But when you start making poor decisions, that's on you. You're an adult. You're a grown man. You know right from wrong. You know what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. One thing is addiction. And another thing is just making bad decisions. And I feel like Josh Gordon is just making bad decisions. It's just so weird how he has a chance to get back to the NFL August 1st if he stays clean, which I don't think he will. I hate to doubt people. But he just hasn't shown to be reliable. He hasn't shown the ability to make good decisions in life, whether it's addiction, whether it's hanging out with the wrong crowds. So I, I hope Josh Gordon gets himself right. If he does have an issue, I hope he gets it worked out. But he needs to get away from Johnny Menzel because, for one, I am sick and tired. We talk about people who we're tired of talking about, Goose Gossage, Melo. I am sick and tired of talking about Johnny Menzel as an NFL player. Right now, he's just a TMZ prop. He's all over. He's all over the media waves, just partying and do whatever he wants. Let him party and do whatever he wants, and talk about him as an entertainment value person. But let's not talk about him in terms of NFL talent because he didn't do much on the field with the Cleveland Browns. He partied his way. This is the same guy who put on a disguise so he can go party during the season. He put on a getup, I believe, a fake mustache and a wig or something to disguise himself. It's just so ridiculous at this point. He's just a caricature of himself, and he needs to just get help. Whatever it is he needs help with, it's just so much from his incident with his girlfriend to to this incident trashing the rental to all of his partying. Let's just separate Johnny Menzel in football. Right now, he's just a socialite. He, he is Charlie Sheen. 
And I hate to bring up Charlie Sheen, his, his situation, but that's what he is right now. He's a young Charlie Sheen, and he's just on a rampage. And I just hope that eventually he gets his life straight and he walks on a narrow path. Yeah, if, if you know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's not a hippopotamus. So I mean, it's it's pretty much it's uh, he's like a he's like a a, a less functioning Kardashian is kind of like the way it is. And maybe that's what he wants to be. I don't know. I really don't know. But it's unfortunate because this is a young man who had you know could have had it all. And you really can only see this going one of two ways. And and you know one way is is getting right, getting better, and you know moving on with his career, be it you know in the NFL, you know Canadian Football League, anywhere else, arena football, or unfortunately it's 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 not making it out of this alive. And that's really the way it is because you can't be a functioning alcoholic or a functioning drug addict and expect to really get anything out of life. It's just the way it is. And, you know, even his father said a couple months back that he feared for his life that he wouldn't make his next birthday. And and it seems like he's not trying to make his next birthday. I mean, somebody's got to be real with this guy and all, all the people around him are just aiding him and they're making him worse than maybe he is. Or maybe the people around him are, are, are the, the bad influence. But either way, he's got to get around some people that want to do some positive in this life. Otherwise, it's just uh, it's just going to be one of those sad stories that you know we tell generations to come so mo do you want to hear something positive or negative in uh the next story up uh give me give me the negative <laughs> always the, the always the pessimist yeah. all right yeah. well you remember pablo sandoval right of course kung fu panda yeah the guy that broke his uh belt when he swung against toronto and it burst into a thousand pieces on the field well it's getting worse unfortunately the man that signed a five-year 95 million dollar deal and is still owed 75 million dollars has basically been shut down now the boston red sox will tell you it's because he has shoulder problems yeah do you really believe that because i don't even though he is going for a second opinion on that shoulder to dr james andrews and anytime you go see dr james andrews it basically means your season is over unfortunately the red sox have shut him down they put him on the dl and an official from the club says that he needs to get a babysitter to watch what he puts in his mouth now, this is kind of sad because this is a guy who was a World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants and obviously has an eating disorder. Now, I feel bad because that's a real problem. It's a real issue. I also don't feel bad because you got paid $95 million. You're a professional athlete playing a game that children play and you can't control yourself. All you have to do is maintain your body. You don't have to go out and cure cancer. Nobody's asking you to, you know, save uh, runaways. Nobody's asking you to do anything life-affirming. You're going to play a sport, and you unfortunately can't. So you have he has some kind of illness, and it needs to get better. So I just hope that the Boston Red Sox can kind of put this guy in a situation to succeed because you know what? In baseball, you can't cut a guy and get his money back. You're going to pay him that $75 million regardless because nobody is going to take his contract. It's just the way it is. So I tried to put a, a, a spin on that for you, Mo, to, to leave you on an upswing, but uh, I don't know if i succeeded no I, I actually like the kung fu panda i mean i i mean watching his seeing his picture when he came back from spring well for spring training and you see like his belly just hanging out of his shirt i was just like whoa you know what's going on there but maybe the team doesn't care and apparently the shutdown says to me i i'm like you where i'm a little skeptical where they said you know it could be a shoulder strain or something and i'm just like eh, maybe he's just too fat yeah and you know the guy as you say he swung at a pitch and it popped his belt and i i thought that was amazing but um his former trainer ethan banning told the boston herald that you know he brought it up about his eating addiction because he he of course worked with him when he was with the san francisco giants and he said when he went to venezuela you know, he gained 21 pounds in about 21 days. And he basically had to hide Sandoval so he can get a new contract with the Giants, and it worked. 
of course, eventually now he he moved on and went to the Boston Red Sox. But Benning put it out there that this guy has has an eating problem. And again, uh, you know, this is a light show, but of course, addiction is addiction. Whether it's alcohol, it's food, it's tough to shake off. And this guy could be could be spiraling. It's it's tough to see. You know, he's a former All Star. But um, my question to you is: Do you think he regains his spot at third base over Travis Shaw eventually, if he if he can get his weight under control? No, I think for all intents and purposes, he's done with Boston. Travis Shaw is a nice player, kind of you know he was a prospect last season. He's really a first baseman, but he's he's versatile enough to play third, and he's hitting a little bit. He's he's playing a really nice third base, and unfortunately, when a guy goes through that through this situation with with a club, uh, kind of like the Shack thing we spoke about earlier, they kind of lose it for one another. So I don't think that there's any way that he ever really gains that spot unless something happens to Shaw and he can get his body right I think the best thing for all parties is that he can come back be uh be a guy that can come back and hopefully show a little bit some of something little glimpse of what he once was and they can possibly trade him because there was talk a couple weeks ago that they were looking to deal him to San Diego for James Shields who himself used to be you know used to be a really amazing all-star type pitcher and now it's just kind of laying in the weeds so maybe that would be best for everybody obviously they're either gonna have to trade him for somebody of equal um, monetary value I'm not saying talent because that's just not gonna happen so if you can swap two bad contract is one thing or you're going to have to send him to a team that just, you know, is going to say, all right, you're going to pay three quarters or at least half of his uh, his salary because no one's going to take that. And you're not going to cut a guy that's owed $75 million over four years and let him sit home and, you know, eat himself out of baseball. But it really is a shame because, you know, we saw this with the likes of like Cecil Fielder back in the day when he was with the Tigers and the Yankees. And these guys just get so big that they don't have anybody to tell them no and they just do what they want because they've got money and they got think they have the power and eventually it's going to catch up with them and he's still a young man he's 29 years old so he's got a lot of playing left if he can get himself right but you know we'll see what happens once this mysterious shoulder injury gets healed <laughs> mike i mean all this fat shaming that the red Sox and, and that you're doing is making me kind of depressed me can doing we, can, we, get, can we get the good news yeah yeah let's get to the good news before i i, I cry <laughs> um moving on to my, my main man my buddy boy my favorite player bryce harper uh yes. he's in the news for a couple of reasons the first one was that on uh, the night that he was hoping to hit his 100th home run he had a bat decal and it was a uh, you know the hundo on moji you know the the hundred keeping keeping it one keeping it handy yeah well that the the, major league baseball did away with bat decals last year so they no longer can you know nobody can express their uh their their own personality you know this leads into the bryce harper thinking baseball is no fun blah 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 but anyway a couple nights later bryce harper did hit his hundreds home run and he hit it in a, a remarkable fashion a grand slam i mean this is the eighth guy in the history of baseball to be the quickest to 100 home runs i mean it's it's pretty amazing what he's doing already picture this he's only hit he's at 100 home runs right but he only hit 13 in 2014 while playing 100 games and 20 while playing 118 games in 2013 now this is why some people were quick to say well let's not let's not say he's the next coming of mickey mantle and and all these types of guys because he really last year was his first major year hit over 40 home runs stayed healthy and he did show a tendency to break down the past couple of seasons before that because he plays so hard but come on if this guy can stay healthy with that left-handed swing and his love of the game you know you gotta say that maybe there's maybe there's a possibility that he could break barry bonds's record well not so fast, according to Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was asked, and you know, what are the possibilities that he breaks your record? And Bonds goes on to say, he's a beast, but he doesn't compare to me yet. He has a long ways to go. 
He is not even close to me, but he's a hell of a ball player. I watch him, I admire him, I look at him, and I'm in awe. You don't see that often. Now, I want to give Bryce some credit because it's very, very much Bryce's style. He could have easily said, well, no, I'm not like you because I didn't take steroids. But he didn't. And I, and I know all the Barry Bonds fans of the world would be quick to say, hey, 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 he, uh, he, he was never convicted. He never took him. Dude, when your head goes from a size 7 and an 8 to an 8 and 3 quarters, that's not natural. You don't get bigger as you grow, as you get older. You, you shrink. So let's not even get on that subject. But I want to give Bryce, his, I want to give all the props he needs. He's an amazing player. Plays the game uh, with love, with passion. He plays the game for young people. I think it's awesome. He does respect the game. He's just trying to bring something else to it. So, you know what? Here's to, uh, here's to 679 more home runs. Keep doing your thing. And uh, please, please, please go to the Yankees in two seasons. <laughs> wow, we're already caping for Harper to go to Yankees. Bro. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm the president of the fan club. Yeah, that, that is such an evil empire move. You're welcome. Great player. Yeah, you come up to the Yankees. We'll pay you all the money in the world. Yeah. Uh, half a billion dollars. Half a billion dollars. <laughs> all I had to say about that is I need a drum roll real quick. Welcome to Mo Money Mo oh, Buckets, Bryce Harper, geez. because you made it. You, you're joining the, <laughs> an exclusive crew. Joe Johnson joined it earlier this season. Yeah. A couple other people I can't remember off the top of my head. But oh, that's some crew top. and you can't remember who they are. I think it was Alex Rodriguez, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Alex Rodriguez, who you'll be playing with, according to Mike, in a few seasons. No, no, he won't. But, A-Rod will be in the retirement home by then, but it's okay. Maybe he might stick around to break the record. You mm, never know. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> 72 but more. Basic, basically, Bryce Harper is is Cam Newton all over again in, in Major League Baseball. He's having, he's winning, and he's having fun. The Nats are 8-1. They're leading the NL East. So you had to think about it this way. He's doing well, and people are hating him because he's playing well, and his team is doing great. Reminds me... Just about as what was going on with Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton. Don't be surprised if the baseball fans, the purest of the world, send Bryce Harper some unfavorable letters calling him all types of names. Bryce Harper could just relay those letters to the Mo Money, Mo Buckets agent crew, and we'll take care of that for him. But uh, he's making baseball fun again. I, I really feel like that. And I feel like there's a, there's a new energy there with him playing well. Again, eighth youngest player to reach the 100 mark. So you got to weigh that. Not with a grain of salt, but with a heavy hand. And Dusty Baker, his uh, his his manager, mentioned him in the same sentence with Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Jim Brown, and Joe Montana. Not as far as production, but as far as the flair he has for the game, the, the eyes he draws to the sport. And I think that's accurate at, at this stage of his career, at his very young age of 23 years old. Now, one quick question I want to ask Mike is, who of the two is going to have a better career, Mike Trout or Bryce Harper? It's really that's a that's a hard hard question to answer because I I equally think they're they're super talented. Their games are a little different because Mike Trout Mike Trout is just man, he's look, there's Mike Trout's already got, you know, it should be like a three-time MVP if it wasn't for Miguel Cabrera in Detroit winning the Triple Crown and and you know, just being an amazing play all around. But Bryce Harper is the type of guy that will go where the money brings him, and and that doesn't make him a bad thing. I think Mike Trout might be a little more loyal to the Los Angeles Angels cause, and I don't know this for sure, but he seems that type of guy. And I worry because he's on a team like the Angels, and they're not getting any better. They've got Albert Poulos, and he's their second best player and he's he's on one leg man i mean he's still you know he still can hit like last year he had 40 home runs it's not going to happen again this year but this is a team that just doesn't have much around him not like washington has around bryce and bryce is bryce again 
I, I'm, I'm campaigning for him to go to the Yankees, and I would love Trout to go to the Yankees too, obviously. But I just don't know if Trout's the type of guy that's going to pick up and leave, and I don't want to see him spend the best years of his career, and he's still only 24, but I don't want to see him spend the best years of his career on a Los Angeles team that can't compete to, to win a title, let alone get to the get to the playoffs. So if I had to pick today, I would still pick Mike Trout because of what he's already done. I want to see another fantastic year out of Bryce Harper before I, I crown him, you know, the next coming. Uh, right now, at this point in the season, yeah, he's he's a better player. Mike Trout's only hitting like 100. Uh, he's got maybe one or two home runs. Doesn't have much protection in that lineup. So that's what I worry about, whereas Bryce and Washington still got the likes of Jason Worth and Ryan Zimmerman. And these aren't great, great players, but these are still guys that are pretty functional. And being in the National League East is a lot easier than being in the American League West where you've got to beat out, you know, Seattle and you've got to beat out Texas and, you know, there's Oakland too, but, you know, we don't worry about them. But it's just, a, it's a harder division. There's, 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 again, you're in the, you're in the American League. It's, there's, there seems to be as good of pitching. Uh, you, there's a DH. There's a lot more factors that go into that make it a little harder to, to win the title as it does in the National League, especially when you're playing in the division where you've got the Atlanta Braves, the Miami Marlins, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Mets, who I'm not too sold on just yet, Mo. I'm sorry, but I'm just not. I'm not. I mean, they're, they're really, hovering around 500, but yeah, we'll get it together. Hovering right? below it, but it's uh, it's tough. It's <laughs> tough. I like them both. I really do, but today, today, as of today, I'm picking Mike Trout, but Ask me next year, and I'd be, I may be on the Bryce Harper uh, side of things, but I do love them both. I think they're both great for the game. This is the new era of baseball. It's fun to watch. It's exciting. They give it their all, and, man, they are going to get paid soon. Absolutely. And if, again, if Mike has his way, Bryce Harper will be getting paid in the Bronx. But uh, that's Oof. the story. Um, how could we not talk about the biggest part of what happened last week in the NBA? In the wrap-up, we're going to talk about None other than Kobe Bryant. That's up next. This is The Wrap-Up. It was a very somber time in Mike Calandrillo's home. (laughs) For Kobe Bryant had retired. He had gone all the way home. Okay, I'm done. But Mo, Mo is a salty salty individual and you know what i don't like it mo i don't like salty on you it's not a good look you know what you you like you like all the bums of the world but you don't you don't want to give my man kobe any love what i mean yeah. i think okay i mean i gave him some love on the, on the facebook account i said even though i don't i was never a kobe bryant fan i give him his respect his farewell to his farewell tour is over he ended it with a bang good for kobe bryant but what do you want me to say Wow, really? Just like that? Like like it was yeah. like it was uh, Jason Williams retiring? Like it was no big I, deal? I think I was happy when Jason Williams retired. Then wow, you are so bitter. Such a such an angry young man. You know what? <laughs> Look, this guy is not a saint by any stretch of the imagination. I, I never got to meet him per se, but you know what? What he did for the game, what he showed on the court was awesome. May not have been the best teammate, probably wasn't at all, but you know what? There's just there's just not many guys like this that are gonna come around. And the way that he went out 
was amazing. I know that he took 50 shots, and that shouldn't ha- happen ever in a game at all. But but come on, he scored 60 points. He, sc- he scored the most points of anybody in the NBA. I mean, this amazing 37-year-old Kobe Bryant decided to leave it all out on the floor. And when he started 0 for 5, I was nervous. I was really really nervous. I thought, oh my goodness, he's going to go out like a chump, but no, he didn't. And I, and I liken it to what Derek Jeter did in his last game. You know, these two guys played 20 seasons, one team, each had five championships and went out with a bang, went out the way that you want to remember them. And, and I'll be honest, turned on the game and like, it was like the third quarter. I had, I had uh, Golden State on one looking at 73 wins and I had Kobe on the other. And by the time I turned on Golden State, they were already up by like 22 and I was like, yeah, okay, they're going to win this. They got in the bag. So I turned it on and Kobe just started making shot after shot. And, I, and they were losing at this point. And I turned it back over and Golden State was still winning. And after like, Five more minutes of flicking back and forth. I couldn't even. I couldn't even really bother myself to even go back to Golden State anymore because Kobe had had gained my attraction, my attention. I all my, everything I had was on Kobe. I wanted to see this man do what he did one last time, and that's what happened. This is something that for me, I'll, I'll talk about forever because I got to witness one of those generational type of players. Like when I witnessed Michael Jordan in the flu game, when I witnessed Derek Jeter having that walk-off single, his last game against the Baltimore Orioles, these type of things do not come around. Like, look, I'm a Kobe fan. I'm not a Kobe super fan, but I like Kobe a lot. I loved his game. I had a Kobe Minneapolis Lakers jersey. I had a Kobe authentic number eight a gold jersey. I had his shooting jersey. Like, I just respected the man. And unfortunately, when he got jammed up in Colorado, I kind of lost it for him, sold my jerseys. Didn't have That didn't have anything to do with his game on the court. But, you know, as a person, as a man that really could be someone to influence young minds, it's not something that I wanted to, you know, I guess, show off and, and, you know, perpetuate like, hey, that's okay. It's not. So, you know, I kind of cut it off there. But again, on the court, something completely, completely different than we've seen. And, I you know, I had L.A. had a couple of instances where I literally almost ran into him. You know, he would be at a place where I was working and he was just there. And like his aura was just was just bigger than life. And, you know, he, he lived that up, man. He lived up L.A. to to the max. He was he is what you know, when you think of Los Angeles. He is. He is Los Angeles. And it's funny because I got, I don't know about you, but did you ever get to see him play? Because I did. I did not get to see him play. I'm on the East Coast. I, I barely got to watch him play on TV again because the Lakers games come on at 10, 1030. Sure. But, I mean, if you think about it, I, I feel, I, I watched the Kobe game more than the Warriors game. And I feel guilty about it because the Warriors made history. I mean, yeah, Kobe, it's Kobe's last game. It's his final you know, farewell, you know, bow. But the Warriors made history. You're probably not going to see this record broken. I mean, we probably said that about the 70, about the 95-96 Bulls, but I don't think this Warriors record of 73-9 and nine gets broken. And someone texted me and made a great point and said, did you notice that the next day, Thursday morning, after the Kobe game, after the Warriors game, everyone, well, most people were talking about Kobe and the Warriors' 73 wins is kind of like a footnote. And I was like, that's a good point. And I'm just like... This is a guy that's on a team, and you said he didn't go out like a chump. Individually, he didn't go out like a chump, but his team went out like chumps because they had the worst record, I believe, in franchise history, 17-65, and 65, I'm, I'm seeing here, as I go to the glasses. 17-65 and 65 with Kobe Bryant scoring 60 points, saying, thank you, everyone, for coming to watch my show. Everyone stood aside and watched me shoot. Everyone fed me the ball so I can go out like a winner. 
Now, uh, yeah, it's amazing to see him at that age go out with 60 points. It's an amazing feat, but it's not like he worked hard for it. I mean, he just he just had to basically stay on the court and have enough energy to muster up some shots. But it wasn't like he, he had to take over the game with defense clamping down on him. Yes, he took over the game in the sense that the Lakers were losing. Then they come back and they win. But, I mean, the players weren't playing hard on Kobe. It was more like, okay, Kobe, we respect you. I watched you when I was growing up, when I wanted to be a ball player. And to see you go out on top is, is a spectacle for me because I just want to be a part of it. But I'm not shortchanging Kobe. Great career. Again, he, you know, he's a multiple champion, I believe, five-time champion. He, you know, same team. I mean, he did get drafted by the Charlotte Hornets and then get tra- got traded to the Lakers. You wonder what the Charlotte Hornets could have been if they kept Kobe Bryant. It didn't happen that way. Seems like the, the, the thing about this show is bringing it back memories. And for me, it brought back great ideas of what Kobe used to be, winning those titles with Shaq, winning the one title without Shaq, how he seemed to make other people around him better. Robert Ory, Derek Fisher, Luke Walton, Paul Gasol. I mean, you can smush Parker. I mean, you could just go on and on. Devin George, Ron Harper. They're all of these guys that he seemed to make better and led by example. Didn't necessarily lead, you know, because you, he was your best friend or because he was a motivator, but when Kobe played his butt off, you knew that you probably weren't going to get the ball. So when you did get the ball, you better make your shot or just give it up. But, hey, the guy won five rings. You can't take anything away from him. So, Kobe... I, as an NBA fan, I appreciate everything you did. Thank you. And uh, you know what? Enjoy your time. And Mamba out. You should have dropped the mic. That's what I'm saying. Should have dropped the mic. Would have been badass. But you know what? That's the only thing I'm going to nitpick. Hey, but um, before we put a bow on this, I'm, I'm going to give you my three Kobe moments that I remember. Okay. okay? I'm, I'm going to be totally honest here, okay? I remember the 81 points he scored on the Raptors. Poor Raptors. I remember the 60 points he scored last week. Poor Jazz. Yep. And I remember... um. Chris Child's two-piece and Kobe Bryant in the face. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Of course you I, did. I, I, as, as a Knicks fan, I'm sorry. that That's part of my highlight reel with Kobe Bryant. I just remember that like it was yesterday. I showed the video replay to a couple of friends yesterday, and we still laugh at it to this day. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm being lighthearted with it. Obviously, I do respect what Kobe's done. I, I spent decades, what it feels like multiple, multiple decades probably is, but cheering against him. Uh, I remember distinctively when I was a Reggie Miller fan. Yes, there are Reggie Miller fans out there who are Knicks fans, too. I actually liked Reggie Miller. I'll, I'll admit that to the open, that I really like Reggie Miller. But he denied Reggie Miller a title in his, fir- in his first run with Shaq. He beat a very good Blazers team. And I'll never forget this. He had, well, the Lakers had ongoing feud with the Kings for a couple of seasons. And I'll never forget one of my, my, my first girlfriend had a Chris Webber jersey. Yep. And we were hardcore Kings fans, and we hated Kobe Bryant. We were in high school. And I remember when the Lakers beat the Kings, and we we were just so filled with hate for Kobe Bryant. I think that's where it was – that's what it started brewing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, to this day, I wish those Kings teams had made the finals, but obviously they didn't. Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, Vladi Divac, Pedro Stockvik, that was a good core group, but they, they didn't make it to the finals because of Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. And I have to admit that. Um, again, Kobe had a great year. He's accomplished a lot. He's not the best, I guess, team player in the locker room. But when he gets on the floor, you got to follow his lead. He's hit a lot of big shots. I can't remember him because there were probably so many just big shots he's made in his career. So you can't take that away from him. I was afraid every time he touched the ball, is he going to make this shot? So I have to admit that, too. But again, Kobe goes out, and, and maybe the Lakers get better. That's the funny part about it. And... Uh, 
we'll see what he does next. People are speculating whether he gets into broadcasting. Maybe he gets into our business. He's on radio. Colby, you're allowed on the Mike and Mo show. I'll induct you into <laughs> Mo Buckets, Mo Money, Mo Buckets. If you want, we can have a mint, talk over some filet mignon, some shrimp, some lobster maybe. Yeah, if he's, uh, if he's buying, right? Is that what it is? Of course yeah. he's buying because Lakers just paid him all this dough, and I'm on this radio show with you talking. No offense, Mike. But, yeah, uh, thanks, thanks. None at all. He's already got the he's already got the big buck, so of course he's gonna be paying. But he's welcome here on the Mike and Mo show at any time. I'm sure Michael will dig up his jersey that he sold when he got mad at at Kobe, mm-hmm. put it on like a, like an old Cavs fan who yeah. disowned LeBron. But mm-hmm. we won't talk about that. Uh, but yeah, we'll wrap it up on on Kobe being being Kobe, and he ended on a great note. Good for him. Mamba out. Do you think Kobe could be the next coach of the New York Knicks? Oh, hell no. Just an option. I, I understand Phil Jackson probably has Kobe in his phone. And he said, Phil Jackson did say he's only going to ask people that he knows. But can you think about you Kobe go. as a coach? I could because he would demand the best out of you. And there was times, remember when he tore his Achilles? And I saw, I saw, I was at the game, was it two years ago when he had the, the, the bad Achilles and they were playing the Knicks and it was at the Staples Center and he was on the bench, man. And uh, obviously it's funny because it, like, during a timeout, he ran over and started talking to Denzel Washington. And I was like super, super like. I was like, oh man, I want that to be my life. But anyway, he um he was just he was in the huddle. He, this guy had a bum leg, he was in a suit, and all my girlfriend at the time, fiance now, kept saying, "Is where's Kobe? Where's Kobe? Where's Kobe?" And I was like, "There in the suit. Why isn't he playing? He's got a bad Achilles." But he was all about it. He was directing the plays. He was, and obviously, you know, this the Lakers were not very good that year either. And I can't even remember who the was still Byron Russell, uh, Byron Russell. What? No, it's not Byron, Byron Russell. What's his name? Scott, Byron Scott, the same Byron, terrible player. Um, <laughs> Byron Scott, and he's directing the plays, and he, everybody's listening to Kobe. I don't look. It's it's a. I would think it's just as good, if not a better idea than Derek Fisher. Obviously, that didn't go well, but hey, if it'll uh, if it'll attract some free agents and make somebody happy named Carmelo, I'll give it a whirl. Because again, there's very few people I think is going to make a difference. But again, long shot, just something fun to talk about. That's all. That's all, Mo. Don't don't get mad at me. You know, don't yell. Uh- Oh no, I'm not mad, but I'm just imagining Kobe as a coach and players like, okay, Kobe, what do we what do we have to do to, to win this game? And Kobe's out there like, you gotta go out there and dominate. <laughs> and the players just look at him like, uh, well, we're not you, Kobe. We don't have the same skills you have. You have to direct us. You have to be a coach. We can't just emulate you, Kobe. And Kobe is a one of a kind superstar. Yep. And that that that's where the people say it's hard for a great player to be a great coach because they only they. Typically, they see the game through the lens of their own careers. Sure. So they see what their skills are, and they 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 want to put that in their players. But it, you know, you don't get skills through osmosis. It just doesn't happen that easy. No. And Kobe, as a coach, would probably be very tough on his on his players. May not connect with them well. He might be the old crotchety guy, for all I know. But, yeah, uh, I like that guy. See him. <laughs> yeah, like a goose gossip <laughs> type. But. Uh, It'll be interesting. It would be interesting to see him on the sideline. I just don't want him on the Knicks sideline. Maybe he can coach the Lakers after they fire Byron Scott. Ugh, I, I'd rather have Byron Russell, but that's just me. <laughs> I think it's Brian yeah. Russell. Isn't it Brian Russell or is it Byron? Maybe Byron. I, I don't is, even know. Is, isn't it Byron Russell? It I might mean, be. All, all, that's the guy I mean, that got shook for the you know during the flu game. That's all I know. Right. Yeah. I, I was gonna say we all just know him as the guy that got shook by Jordan in, in Game Six of the 1997 NBA Finals. But no, that's here. No. And he was a decent player too. Talk about having your career diminished. Yeah, he was a decent player up until that moment. But we all know we live in a snapshot society, and this is before Twitter and Facebook blew up. 
that, you know, when that happened, it was just all over the place. I mean, in papers, you just see Byron Scott just falling over, not falling over, just get tripped up by Jordan Crossover and Jordan just hitting the game winner. And that just, like, solidified Jordan's career. But speaking on Jordan, it's just, he has so many of those flash, you know, those snapshot moments. And I wish that I could remember more of those moments for Kobe, but I believe people feel like Kobe was trying to be Jordan. But I don't see that too much as far as his demeanor because Jordan was more celebratory after he did something great. Kobe was more stoic, and, and I believe Kobe's, Kobe's a more of an introverted type of guy, and that's why he doesn't gel well with his teammates in the locker room. But he's very talented, so I, I see that part being part of the reason why we don't have these snapshot pictures of Kobe at a moment where he hit a big shot and he's just kind of posing for the camera. He's just not emotionally in tune like that, in public at least, maybe to his family, but not in public or on the court. He, he would just do what he had to do, do his job, get the win, and get off the court. That was Kobe. You know why? Because he kept it 100. <laughs> one, one, he kept it 100. Yeah, I mean, it would have been great to see him score 100 points, but Ooh, uh, I'm sure nice. if there was another quarter or two, they would allow Kobe to do that too. But again, 60 isn't shabby for a guy in his late 30s. No, I'll take it. I will take it. Well, that is it. Episode 9 in the books. Nine is oh so fine. And next week, we'll be hitting double digits. But while you're at it, go to Twitter. It's Mike Mo Show. Go to Facebook. It's Mike and Mo Show. And most of all, go to iTunes. Download the show. Rate it. Give it five stars. Give it six. I know you can't do that, but try. Make sure you tell your friend. Share it. Listen to it. It's probably the most important thing. And then go on and write a review. Tell everybody how much you want to join the Mo Money, Mo Buckets team, and how Mo is so salty that it hurts your taste buds. Okay? Because he is so salty. Hey, I, what I'm not salty about is that we're approaching 4,000 likes on Facebook. Yeah. Like, so check us out. We're building up our Twitter following as well. Again, welcome Bryce Harper to Mo Money Mo, Bo- Mo Money Mo Buckets fraternity. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. You're probably gonna get paid soon, maybe by the Mets, not the Yankees, the better what? team in baseball for New York. <clears throat> but um, that's neither here nor there. It's not here or Kobe there. Bryant, you're wel- Kobe Bryant is welcome to the show. Now that he's retired, he has nothing better to do. Maybe you can rub off on us as far as our, our careers and make us great through osmosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're welcome on the show. Obviously, welcome into the Mo Money, Mo Buckets fraternity as well if you want to join. But to all, keep watch- keep listening as the, playoff- as the playoffs go on, and hopefully my predictions are right. We'll see what happens. Again, I my overall prediction would be Cavs and Warriors, but we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, you're really going out on a limb there, Mo. Cavs and Warriors. Yeah. Watch out, world. Yeah. It's going to shake with a, with a sweep. With a sweep. sweep. All right, that's that's my prediction too, but if I had to say a off-the-wall prediction, I'm going to go with the Clippers. What? The Cl- I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. What's, what's one team in the East I really think could do some damage? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Mo. Mo, what's, who's the two-seed, Mo? Who's it? Raptors? Who okay, just lost that's not today? Happening. That's, who's the three? Who's the three seed, Mo? Miami. What? I don't, I don't like them either. I got them losing. Who's the four seed, Mo? Oh, Atlanta. You're gonna pick Atlanta? Clippers and Atlanta for the stop finals. it. Well, that's stop come on. It's a long shot. At least, at least I got the okay. at least I got the nerve to pick a long okay. shot. Okay, my my oh, as you know, my pick Cavs Warriors with the Warriors sweep. If I had to go on a limb, I would say Thunder Heat. There you go. That would be a horrible series. I would not even no, watch it. No, it wouldn't. It'll be a rematch of a previous series with different characters, and you'll have the Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade, doing it without LeBron James, making LeBron James feel even 
even less of a person, even less of a basketball player, because his wingman is doing it without him and with Justice Winslow and Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic. Can you believe that? And nope. the Thunder actually making it to the NBA Finals with Durant and Westbrook, saving their relationship and shutting up all the reporters and all the media people like us who say they can't gel together. Think about that. I don't know if I ever said that personally. Um, yeah, you, you kind of did. No, I don't believe I... it. If you rewind the tape, guys, when you listen to this podcast, <laughs> rewind it and go back to when Mike was talking about the Thunder. He said that they didn't really mesh well. I know I said it, uh, but I think he agreed with I have it. selective... Um, you know, remembering skills. Yeah. But regardless, that's episode nine, and um, we will be back with episode ten. It will be in the second round of the NBA playoffs. With another week into baseball, Mo is going to be gearing up for the NFL draft and all the uh, shamacheries that will be going on there with the many trades of possibilities and whatnot. But until then, I'm Mike. He's Mo, and uh, have a lovely, lovely rest of your week. Hashtag Mamba out. Peace.